Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vicini. We're presented by CLNS Media. Today on the show, a bit of a special podcast here. It's the first time we've ever had three guests hosting the podcast at the same time. It's the boys from over at the three-man weave. We've got Jim, Kai, and Matt. Uh, All three of them are just tremendous human beings. I got a chance to get to know them at the Final Four last year. They do a great job over at their website, the three-man weave. Guys, whatever order you want to go in, please say hello. Matt, lead us off. Jim, I was hoping you'd start us off, but uh, how's it going, Sam? Thanks for having us on. Uh, you calling us good people is a kind of a stretch, but we'll take it. Um, you know, I feel like we've only hung out for a few days at the Final Four, so it's a pretty big presumption of you to uh, to make there. But yeah, we uh, we have our moments. Matt, it's it's small sample size. That's okay. Right, exactly. Small sample size theater. Yeah, this year as well. I'm happy to be here, Sam. Well, I mean, the reason that you guys are here is because while I just called you great guys, you're also degenerates like I am. You love betting on basketball and particularly college basketball. So I would love to get from one of you, all three of you, how you started getting into gambling on college basketball. Uh, Is it just fandom? Did you see some sort of uh, angle there? Is this how you guys started betting on college basketball Uh, as much as I bet on college basketball, which is quite a bit? Yeah, it was kind of fandom. Um, we started started it kind of with the website like four years ago and just did it on Twitter as a, li- a bit of a, another reason for people to follow something else. They could they could connect with it and got a little more into it since then. Uh, definitely a lot of individual betting, but then we also post our picks on Twitter. Uh, Matt, I think, has been the degenerate leader ever since he got out of college. Matt, you, you go back into when you were at Indiana, right? Yeah, me and my... Um... We had a house of like 10 guys my fifth year, which you can imagine how that went. But basically we, and in college, for those of you who have gone through that, there's just a lot of free time, right? So uh, we just basically got way too into sports gambling, like my fourth and into my fifth year. And we would bet pretty degenerately like every night. So we basically curl up on the couch. I mean, the fact that I had three TVs and I was 22 years old was probably, you know, foreshadowing where I'd be today. Um, so that's kind of how I got started. And then I tried to, well, I guess I effectively did infect Jim and Kai with that bug. So now here we are. Well, yeah. So I kind of have a similar deal in college where uh, I didn't live with these guys, but all of my best friends in college, uh, except for like two or three, got a house for 14 dudes. And one of them started taking bets as like a bookie. And I eventually lived with that person for two additional years. I decided not to bet with him because that just isn't great house etiquette, I feel like. But nonetheless, we always had just like some sort of action going on in the house. So it was uh, it was quite an introduction into the world of gambling, especially on the NFL. But college basketball got a lot of action, too, once January, February, and especially March rolled around. So... I have now found out about this thing called season long pool, which I am obsessed with. Like I am a hundred percent all into this thing. Have you guys ever done season long pool before? Is this something that like I'm way late to the boat on? So we had not, I actually think we're way late to the boat too. Someone had brought it up to us last year and given our affinity for all 353 teams, it should have been like right up our alley. And we just kind of were like, Oh, we don't have time. We won't look at it. And then preseason this year, we've started to dive in more, and it's starting to occupy all my time. I stay up at night thinking about it. I wake up in a cold sweat, wondering which six-point team I should go with. 
it's really consuming my life. Uh, I don't know if any of us have finalized teams. Kai, have you even set your teams yet? I got two options right now. I'm weighing between. But, Jim, I just can't make a decision. I might have to do two entries. But that goes against my my purest approach to a, a bracket or a pool. So yeah, I'm going to whittle it down. Guy. Don't be that I'm guy. whittle it down. Don't do that. No one wants that. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you guys. I was like a hundred percent gonna do two or three entries. Like there was, there's like almost no doubt that I'm gonna do two or three entries for this thing because, I, like, it's just taking up too much of my time. Like I have to think about it. And for those of you who don't know what season long pool is, you go to seasonlongpool.com, and it is essentially a season long thing where you pick eleven teams. All of these teams have a point value of some sort. And you have a $100 basically pool of money to pick from. Uh, So basically there's 9.1 points on average per team that you get to pick. And I would say that most of the good teams, like realistically, Michigan State this year, you have to find a lot of uh, value elsewhere to take Michigan State, who's the number one team this year, because Michigan State is going off at 17 points. So you have to pick one team from each Power 6 league. So ACC, Big 12, Big East, uh, Big 10, Pac-12, SEC. Uh, Then you get five wildcard teams from all around the country. Uh, You can pick any Division 1, mid-major league, low-major league, whatever team you want. Uh, And then only your top four wildcard teams count towards scoring. Scoring happens one point per non-conference win, two point per conference win, five for winning the regular season conference. Two for a conference tournament win, five points for winning uh, a conference tournament overall. And then there are a series of increasing point totals for the NCAA tournament that I'm just not going to go into because they are uh, quite vast in number. So I am. It's so generous to the Pac-12, by the way, that it's it's mandatory power six conference. Yeah, really. The Pac-12, it's going to be better this year. It's deeper. But like the last two years have just been a train wreck. Yep. I, the American is, is infringing on its territory. It's getting close. Yeah, the coaches in the American are actually like pretty great. So you look around the Pac-12, there are some question marks. It's getting better, but there are some question marks there. <laughs> I think that uh, I think Mick Cronin and Kyle Smith getting in the league this year will help. But nonetheless, we'll get to the Pac-12 later on here. Uh, so before we get into all of this, if you look at the scoring and the standings for this game last year, what happened was the top 12 teams all had Virginia in their team because Virginia won the national title and you get, uh, I think it's like 15 points for the team that wins the national title, but you also get an increasing number of points every time they win a game in the tournament. So it essentially acts as like a multiplying effect to where the team that wins the NCAA tournament basically doubles its point total. So when I look at the most important team to pick, you basically have to pick the team that you think is going to win the national title to have a chance to win this thing. Uh, I believe that there were something like 500 entries last year, something in that ballpark. And I think it says a lot that the top 12 teams all have the same team. So I guess that my question for you guys to start is, <clears throat> and we'll start with Matt, college basketball, is it good this season? And do you feel like I do that the national champion is more wide open? this year than it has been in a long time. Like we felt pretty good about Duke last year. We felt pretty good about Kentucky. You know, the year before we felt pretty good about Duke again. We feel good about all of these teams as favorites going in this year. Michigan state's the favorite, but I feel like beyond them, I don't 
know that I feel super, super confident in like any one team to win the national title. Yeah, completely agree. I think Sparty to me sits on a perch of their own, even with the Langford injury. I think they're slow. They still sit. Uh, they're kind of the clear cut favorites. But yeah, like the Dukes, the Kentuckys, the the Kansas, the typical Blue Bloods are all, in my opinion, slightly down from where we've seen them in years past. And I mean, you're the NBA draft guru. Um, just the talent crowd that they've brought in is still elite by college standards, but not like Zion level, which is what Duke had last year. So, um, and even when you get below like the top eight, top ten, um, you know, from like teams fifteen down to like even sixty, it's really, really flat. Like that slope of that curve is um, is almost a horizontal line. So, I, I think to me, you have to take Michigan State here, uh, just because I feel like they f- they seem like the only true front runner. Um, and I think Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, UNC. Those typical favorites have too many question marks for you to put a ton of stock in them. But I'm curious where Kai and Jim stand on this. I yeah, kind of go for it. Yeah, I kind of took the approach. I think I think Matt's right. Michigan State's the the one pick if you had to choose one. But I kind of went with the approach of well, since it is so wide open, I might as well try to get two good ones in there. So I kind of looked for a little bit more of the uh, 14, 15 point ranges here. Your Floridas, your Louisvilles, your North Carolinas, your your Virginias. Um, teams in that range, so I can grab two of them instead of just put all my eggs in one basket with Michigan State in such an unknown, wide open year. Yeah, it almost it's almost like you got to zig when if everybody else is zagging with Michigan State. Like if it is so obvious that everyone's going to have them, then maybe there's advantage in taking a team it's like kind of a dfs strategy right sam where like yeah you take someone that's less valued because that's where you differentiate uh from everybody else so i'm probably not going to go with michigan state fully aware that they are number one and like matt said probably a, a notch above everybody else but i'm probably going to avoid them myself I, are you leaning that way sam i kind of lean your way more than their way but Because the point totals are the way that they are, I do think that there is just a real inherent advantage to getting Michigan State because I don't know about you guys, like, I don't feel great about the rest of the Big Ten. Uh, And maybe maybe that's where we can start our preview. We're going to run through each of the six power six conferences, basically, and give a preview on it's going to be through the context of season long pool but for the most part it's just going to be a college basketball preview so if you guys just want to learn more about college basketball this is still going to be beneficial to you now in the big 10 i just look at michigan state as like far and away the clear front runner like maryland is interesting to me but like i don't really trust mark turgeon and i don't really trust a lot of the pieces that they have to be super consistent i look at you know ohio state as much as i love my buckeyes like the talent wise they just don't stack up i don't think i actually think illinois is like pretty interesting in the league but again when we're talking about a team that's going to win this league i can't make like a cogent argument for illinois to win the big 10 this year so i think there is just like a degree of certainty that taking michigan state gives you uh that maybe taking a similarly valued team like for instance i think duke has 16 points um michigan state is has a much higher floor than i think duke does yeah, we've kind of talked about this too with conference odds for winning winning each league that we've seen. Like, I think Bet Online had them, and they're starting to crop up in Vegas now with a week till the tournament. That I liked Kansas a lot at plus two fifty, but Michigan State I think was like plus one seventy five. And Matt talked about how he was a huge fan of that just because he feels so confident in them being a, in another echelon above the rest of the Big Ten. So yeah, yeah. Like, if you think you're pretty much guaranteed that five-point winning a regular season title, uh, and they have a 20-game conference schedule, which we'll get into a little bit probably, um, so there's just more games to win, more points to accumulate. 
So let's say that they win the Big Ten. You're talking about probably 15 wins at least, maybe 16 wins. So that's 32 points. Your non-conference wins, they probably get 10. You're at 42. You're at 47 if they win the league before you even get into uh, maybe they go above that and before we get into the postseason. And that's actually like a really, really high number uh, before the postseason. So, uh, Matt, like Jim said, you know, where are you at with Michigan State? Why do you think they are this certainty, or maybe not certainty, but high degree of likelihood team to win the Big Ten? What about their roster sticks out? There's really no holes, right? Like, it's just every team at the high end of the spectrum last year is has to replace a lot, um, whether it be, you know, Duke, Kentucky, Kansas with their high-end talent. Um, and Michigan State just has that perfect uh, concoction of, you know, they don't have like the, the, the bona fide five stars like, you know, with Jaron Jackson or Miles Bridges, but they have such a deep crop of high-end four-star recruits who are now kind of coming into that sophomore year window, that launching pad to pair with those veterans. And when you have a guy like Cassius Winston, it's just so rare that you get a guy who's like a player of the year at this, um, you know, in this landscape of college basketball that's so proven um, that can really run the show. There's just no holes in this team, right? I think there's just more question marks um, across the other elites. But then within the Big Ten, I'm with you, like Maryland, Ohio State, Purdue, Illinois. It's just a muddled mess there. And I just think they sit multiple tiers above the rest of those squads. Yeah, I agree. And I think that you brought up a great point with their depth. Like last year, I didn't feel great about them at the lead guard position behind Cassius Winston because I didn't think Foster Lawyer was ready yet. Well, Lawyer's probably going to be a little bit better now. They bring in Rocket Watts, who can hopefully play a little bit with Cassius as a scorer. Uh, you have the wings in Aaron Henry and Gabe Brown, both of whom I really like as shooters. Bigs-wise, they started Marcus Bingham in their first exhibition game. Xavier Tillman's a stud. I think he's just an absolute monster. He's a big man who can go out and guard the perimeter as well as protect inside. Uh, Kithier's like not a bad you know, third option is a big guy. And then you have uh, a freshman in Malik Hall, plus you have the X-Factor of Josh Langford. I'm with you guys. Like I don't know where the hole is. Like What do you see, Kai? Yeah, I mean, I think the only hole you can really pick at if you want to choose something is injuries. Uh, Josh Langford gets hurt, so can the guys behind him step up and be consistent? Secondly, I think you go for the front court. You say, okay, Tillman's great, but what about Kithier? What about Bingham? Unproven guys. Um, I don't see Izzo having an issue kind of uh, getting those guys in shape by March. We've seen that with Izzo plenty of times to uh, be confident in that. Um, but in the big in the Big Ten, um, I actually like Ohio State, Sam. I uh, I think they're kind Ooh. of my best my best value pick if I had to choose one in the Big Ten. Actually, okay, why? I, I want to hear this argument. It's not that I think Ohio State's bad. Uh, I just worry about the talent level as much as anything. Well, I think the talent's there, but I think our main reason for being high in Ohio State, and we're kind of across the board with them, is uh, Chris Holtman. We think <clears throat> we think Holtman's a great coach. Um, one of the best in the league, obviously, in a in a conference full of good coaches. And then you look at the value, you look at Maryland sitting at $15 here. If I can get Ohio State for 13 I mean, that just screams value. I think Ohio State uh, finishes above Maryland um, within our own rankings. Jim, do you have any thoughts on this Ohio State love that I am uncomfortable with? I'm going to make you more uncomfortable here. I love Ohio State too, actually. And I've been trying to find a way to keep them in my, my group of teams I'm picking here. So I'm kind of looking at other alternatives and other conferences that are lower because I'd love to have Ohio State as a differentiating team. I think they could make a run postseason. Um, but I, there's there's some value, too, in like the eight-point teams. So I'm, I'm waffling back and forth between whether I go all in on Ohio State and, and really choose them and, and, and 100% with them, or do I try to dig up value somewhere else? Okay, yeah, so... Oh, sorry, go ahead, yeah, Matt. 
Michigan State, Maryland, Ohio State, the theme with those three is that they have such strong freshman to sophomore classes, right? Like the difference between Michigan State and those um, Maryland, Ohio State is just the, the veteran pair with that. Um, but that's what I think with Maryland, Ohio State, and Michigan State, just kind of that edge over the, like the, the rest of the, what I would call more like the tier two, Purdue, Illinois, Michigan, Wisconsin, Indiana, however you have those teams slotted. So the two teams that I like best, and within these leagues, we're going to give a best value, a worst value, and the team that we think is most likely to win the league. So in the Big Ten, before we got some news today uh, about a potential injury, I thought Illinois was the best value in this league. They come in at 11, which is sixth in the league. Uh, I think Illinois is really talented. Uh, between Io Desunmu, who I projected as a first-round pick, uh, you have Kipper Nichols coming back, who has some uh, experience as a starter. Trent Frazier is kind of a, uh, you know, just a guy who can get going and drop 30 a night, or he can drop five points in a night and go one for 10 shooting. Like, he's a little bit inconsistent, but I look at the front court as well, and you have Georgie, the big kid from overseas who I'm not even going to try and pronounce his last name. I think it's <laughs> Bejanishvili. Is that close? I think he um, nailed it, yeah. Uh, and then Kofi Cockburn, who I'm not really a fan of uh, as a recruit and as a potential NBA player, but I think that uh, Brad Underwood will figure out how to get the most out of him. And ultimately, I think Underwood is kind of the uh, underrated factor here. I think Brad is a stud. I think he's an absolutely monstrous coach, especially on offense, and he'll figure out how to get the most out of these guys. So you're talking about Illinois. I think they're actually in a <clears throat> tier with teams like Ohio State, uh, Purdue, uh, whoever else you want to throw into this, maybe a Maryland. Maryland might be a little bit better than these teams talent-wise. But I think talent-wise, Illinois is uh, somewhere in that three or four range, and really you're getting them at like a sixth overall value here. Yeah, I'm, I'm as, as long as Brad finally cools off on the pressure defensively, uh, although Cochran will help having a shot blocker on the backside of it. I think Georgie at center was tough for extending pressure because then they didn't really have a rim protector behind him. Yeah, but I, I like Illinois. That backcourt is is really really solid. Feliz is good off the bench. Uh, but you you kind of hinted at who could be a huge value play here. I feel like I should tee you up because yeah, the injury news today could be huge. So Iowa is sitting here at nine in terms of dollar value, and Jordan Bohannon was expected to miss the entire season this year. Uh, he's apparently playing now. Like he's going seemingly to be able to play to the at the start of the year at least we'll see how long that lasts maybe but you throw Jordan Bohannon uh as a very I don't want to I don't want to overrate Jordan Bohannon but like he is a longtime Big Ten starter at a massive position of need for them like he will be a top half of the league point guard you throw in a top half of the league point guard with Joe Wieskamp with Luca Garza um you know Kreiner and Nunji can like shoot it at least. And then you also have uh, Patrick McCaffrey coming in. This is the team that I think can at least make the NCAA tournament. And they're sitting here at nine points uh, when there are what? One, two, three, four, five, six teams in double digits. Uh, so they're like the seventh best team, basically. Eighth best team, maybe with Wisconsin. Uh, I, I really like that value. What do you guys say? Yeah, I agree on Iowa for sure. Bohannon comes back. Uh, I think similarly, you look at like a Penn State sitting at eight points, a team that could finish 13th or could get all the way up to, you know, fifth or sixth in the Big Ten. They're another huge value play. It's that gap between the nine points of Iowa, the eight points of Penn State, and like the 11 of Illinois, the 12 of Michigan. In this league where you have to choose 11 teams, those 
two-point, three-point gaps become enormous. So I'm going to go across the board here for you guys and just ask for like maybe one or two sentences. Uh, Your best value team, which team would you pick uh, to say this team finishes ahead of where it's projected? Kai, you go first. Penn State, eight points. Matt, you go. I got Rutgers. I'm all in on this Rutgers team. They have an easy schedule. Uh, I'm going with the Scarlet Knights. I like Steve Peichel a lot. I think that's not a terrible pick for a seven-pointer. Jim, go ahead. I think ultimately I would probably go Illinois here, ride with the talented backcourt. Uh, let's go with worst value in this league. Kai, you go yeah, first. It's Maryland, 15. Way, way too much. That's on par with Louisville. No, thank you. Uh, Jim, go ahead. Same. I won't be touching Maryland at 15. I, I can't do it. And Matt. I'm going Michigan. Uh, with, with, with Wagner's injury still uncertain, uh, the roster feels like it fits the coaches they had last year. I just don't know how that's going to mesh well with, with Howard. Uh, it just feels a little clunky to me. I agree with Matt. I would not want Michigan this year. Um, I think there is a chance that like Maryland is just really talented and really good. Like I think Eric Isla is gifted, and I think Aaron Wiggins is uh, a guy who can really become a 3 and D threat for them. Jalen Smith needs to take that next lead now that he's not kind of confined next to Bruno Fernando. And ultimately, I think that why I'm lower on Maryland in general is Anthony Cowan. I'm not really a big believer in him. I just think he's a little bit too wild. But at the end of the day, I think they're better than Michigan, and I think they're considerably better than a Michigan team that, like uh, Matt said, is kind of built for a coach that they don't really have. Uh, in terms of best value, like I said, I'm probably going to go Iowa now, uh, just now that they have uh, a real point guard back, seemingly. So who is your best bet to win the league? I think that all of us are across the board with Michigan State, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, Sparty, no question. Actually, okay. I, I told Jim, I was like, I, I, on a podcast, I said, minus two and a half, Sparty wins the league, and we had to think about it. So I, I think of any of the uh, Power Six teams, they feel like the safest bet. Kansas is close, but I think Michigan State's more of a, a more clear-cut favorite. Let's go to the ACC next. Uh, so are you guys as low on Duke as I am? Like, do you guys believe in Duke? Let's start with uh, Jim. I think we're actually kind of high on them, but... There are definitely questions about roster fit, about shooting. I think the interior defense is something that called out a lot when we ranked them highly on our site. Uh, so whether Vernon Carey and Matthew Hurt can really handle that, if they're going to have to play a ton of Delorier minutes. It's just like it's hard to be down too far down on a Coach K team that actually has experience at point guard, which is, is pretty rare for them. But uh, I will not. Yeah, 16 up there is, is too high for value wise. Uh, Kai or Matt, do either of you two have a hot take on this? Yeah, I do. I'm kind of a fair-weather, well, not a fair-weather, I'm a self-acclaimed diehard Duke fan, which makes me a pretty big fraud since I went to Indiana, but that's a whole other discussion. I haven't really dug into the scrimmage specifics yet, but from what I've heard, um, Trey Jones is still somewhat limited offensively, and if the cat's out of the bag on him, um, it's going to really shrivel up the floor because the shooting is a major question mark here. Um, obviously, hurt. I'm hoping hurt is Ryan Kelly 2.0, but uh, still a lot of question marks offensively, which for a Duke team, which typically um, hangs its head on the offensive side of the floor, I I don't feel great about that at this point. So what worries me with Duke is, like you mentioned, the roster fit, Jim. I am seriously concerned that they're going to start Vernon Carey and Javon Delorier together. Uh, I've seen Vernon Carey shoot before. I think when they recruited Vernon Carey, I really publicly made fun of the fact that 
Uh, Vernon said that they pitched him as playing the four. Uh, the fact that they pitched him as playing the four and didn't really recruit like a true four man. Uh, I know that Matthew Hurt's best position in college is going to be the four, but I think you can pretty easily like make the case to play him at the three. Uh, I have significant concerns that they're going to play a lot of Delorier carry minutes. And if they do that with Trey Jones playing 30 minutes, I have major reservations uh, on this roster in terms of shooting. Now, the funny thing is that they can really put together some lineups that can shoot the basketball. Like if you play Trey Jones with uh, Alex O'Connell, Matthew Hurt, and Joey Baker, that's actually like a shooting roster that is going to shoot the fucking shit out of the ball. But I don't know how you can do that and get away with defense either. So they just have a lot of pieces that I think are one-dimensional. And that's what worries me about them this year. Kai, where are you? Yeah, uh, I mean, I picked them to win the league, but I don't feel confident about it. They haven't won the regular season in, what, four or five years, I think it is. Um, In terms of the pool, you look at them being three points ahead of North Carolina, a team that I think is actually my pick to win this league. Um, I won't be choosing them in this pool. I just think there's too much much unknown with uh, the shooting concerns is my main main factor that you guys touched on. So, okay, let's just kind of jump in then to North Carolina, because I think that North Carolina has a really interesting roster as far as like, I love Cole Anthony. I think he's going to be the most productive freshman in college basketball this season. Maybe the best player in college basketball this season. Uh, You have Leaky Black, who's like an interesting ball handler. Brandon Robinson's a good three and D guy. Uh, I also really like Justin Pierce a lot from William and Mary. Uh, I think he's kind of the perfect like Swiss army knife four man for the ACC. And then you can throw Garrison Brooks and Armando Baycott out there and get enough production at the five to really make Roy's offense work. Now you can make a case for playing two bigs. You can play both of those guys together because that's what Roy likes to do to crush the offensive glass. He's one of the few coaches where I can say like, you know what, just go for it, Roy, um, play your two bigs. And you know, I'm not going to piss and moan about it anymore because the system works, but where are you guys at on North Carolina's roster? Because I actually think that they're going underrated right now. I think collectively we're very high on them. And we did our top 40 countdown kind of over the span of August and September, I think late July and August. And people just kept being surprised when we didn't have UNC like ninth and they weren't eighth and they weren't seventh and they weren't sixth and we had them top five. And yeah, with Cole Anthony at point, I think last year was a big evidence point for Roy and having a freshman run his team with Kobe White that clearly it can work. Uh, And now they have a player at the point that we think is even better uh, as a draft prospect and as a college player. So as long as some of the wings step up, Christian Keeling's another guy, the Charleston Southern grad transfer, if he can give them a second scoring option. But I I love the pieces. And as long as Roy can get it to come together. uh, Yeah. Underrated. I would, I would agree. Uh, Matt, do you have any North Carolina thoughts? No, I think you touched on it, Sam. The lineup, so the the optionality with the lineups here is is really strong. Like we've we saw Roy last year utilize Cam Johnson as as somewhat of a kind of a, a a dangerous small ball four. You could really space the floor out offensively. I think to your point, Pierce could be somewhat of that guy this year. Not as athletic, not as dynamic, but definitely you know has that shooting touch, has that off the dribble scoring package that you like. And then he obviously has just a laundry list of bigs up front if he wants to play his typical two big bully ball. So. I love the line of versatility. I think Cole Anthony is just a better version of Kobe White. Yeah. Um, and, and I think Keeling is actually a lot better than his Charleston Southern pedigree might indicate. So I think he comes in right away and hopefully starts. I think the best version of this team is with him starting playing big minutes. Yeah, I think a lot of it depends on what you, where you're at on Leaky Black. 
like if you think Leaky Black is really good and can be a secondary ball handler, uh, then I would imagine that just for the defensive versatility's sake, you probably want to start Leaky. But in terms of just offensive scoring package, if you think that you need more scoring punch on the floor with North Carolina, I would get starting Keeling for sure. Uh, my next question here is, so Kai said that you had Duke winning the league. He would now have North Carolina winning the league. Uh, I would personally have Louisville winning the league. Uh, I am a big Chris Mack fan. I really like the roster. I think Samuel Williamson is really good. Uh, he is probably one of the most underrated freshmen in the country that people don't quite know about yet. Uh, they bring in a grad transfer point guard in Kimball. They bring in uh, bring back Jordan Wara as well, who's the preseason player of the year in the league. Tell me why Louisville is overvalued or undervalued here. I'm down on the point guards personally. I Kimball's got major, major injury red flags. I think he's missed most of the last two seasons. David Johnson's already out. Um, hopefully, should be back soon-ish, maybe in December for them. Uh, and then Darius Perry has his own set of question marks. Like, Williamson's kind of a blind spot for me. I'm probably not as educated on how good he is. Your your rave review right there obviously gives me a little pause. War is great. Mac is probably one of our ten favorite coaches in college hoops. So there's. There's definitely, um, if I'm not picking them to win, there's downside there and risk. But uh, I'm, I'm probably vaguely lower than most people. So like around 8th to 10th instead of top 5 for me. Kai, any thoughts? Yeah, I think I think Jim kind of hit the nail on the head there with why we, we were kind of lower than the national consensus on Louisville. And it is kind of a point guard issue. The Johnson injury is huge. The Kimball history of injuries is huge. Um, but we do love Chris Mack. I mean, he is literally one of our favorite coaches. We love Nora. Um, I don't love that Malik Williams, I believe, is already hurt, I think, for a little bit. And Enoch didn't even play in their exhibition. Not sure if that was injury-related or not. But um, injuries can affect any team, obviously. So it's a little bit of concern when you're talking about ACC champion or Final Four contender. So with Kimball and Johnson, the other factor here is they can play Darius Perry at the point. That's not a great idea, I don't think. And I think they probably prefer to not have to do it. But is like a third point guard option. I think that that's about as good as you're going to get in college basketball, right? Like you have this guy who can play as a combo guard, uh, who's like a four-star prospect that you're planning on, you know, maybe bringing off the bench as your sixth man, maybe starting him as like your two guard next to Kimball. That's a good luxury to have, I think, whenever you're talking about backup options. In terms of health, though, uh, if this team stays healthy, I just kind of look at it as a roster without holes. They have a ton of bigs. They have bigs who can shoot it in Malik Williams. They have bigs who are strong and can bang inside in Enoch. Uh, Jordan Wara can play the three like he did last year. He can slide down to the four pretty easily. Uh, he did that a lot last year too. Josh Nickelberry is like a pretty interesting wing who can get some buckets. Like I said, like I'm pretty high on Williamson. You have the two seniors. Ryan McMahon can really shoot it. Dwayne Sutton's kind of a do-it-all guy. Uh, and like I said, I have the depth in the backcourt here. I think that this team is as well-equipped to deal with injuries as you could hope for from a team, basically. Um, and if everything goes right, I really look at them as a group that is going to be quite strong to play against. Matt, where are you? Yeah, no, those are all valid points. And we, we talk about the, the point guard concerns and some of the injuries that have arisen. But just look at what Chris Mack did last year. He basically was starting a former Sanford transfer, a former yeah. Richmond transfer, and a former UNC Asheville transfer. And he finished 23rd overall in Kempom and was flirting, flirting with like top 10 until that um, eye-opening Duke comeback, I think, sort of sent a, a, 
I don't know, like a psychological shock through that team, and they just weren't really the same. They kind of fell apart late a little bit. But yeah, I mean, like just going from that, knowing what he can do with with so little, now you arm him with that depth and that versatility at all five positions. Um, I think Louisville may be the right pick to win the league. I think I'm going with UNC as well. I'm riding with my boy Jelly McKeon over there, but um, it's hard to argue against the Cardinals. Yeah, so let's get into kind of our segments within each of these leagues. Who do you see going beyond uh, these top three teams for us? Who is the best value to select uh, in the ACC for you guys? I think best value for me, I I really like Florida State. I think they're kind of knocking on the door of that top group. Um, Leonard Hamilton always has athletes, and this year is no different. But I'm probably personally leaning towards Carolina as a – one of my national title contender picks. Kai? Yeah, I actually took UNC in the pool, spoiler, but um, I agree with Jim. It's Florida State, elite defense, elite size, as always with Hamilton. And you add a guy like Patrick Williams, the top freshman group. Uh, really like them sitting at 11. It's, uh, it's good value. Every year I have a blind spot uh, with the freshman recruiting class where like, there's just a guy I haven't seen live. Uh, Williams is the guy this year. Uh, so I don't really have strong <laughs> thoughts there. So uh, Matt, uh, are you in agreement with your uh, three-man weave cohorts here that Florida State is the best value? Yes, I am. Uh, I'll, I'll ride with the Knowles as well. I will throw in one more deeper sleeper in Pitt, though. Um, oh, I love you. Like, they love it. the non-con this year, um, which I was, for, for the sake of this pool, I was hoping Jeff Capel would play the uh, this the slew of cupcakes that he played last year. Um, but I say, I believe you're really high on Xavier Johnson, right? Like, when I watch that Xavier Johnson train a guy on his backcourt, like, I think the Georgetown backcourt, James Akinjo and Mac McClung gets all the hype. Jim brought this up on our podcast. But, like, Xavier Johnson and Trey McGowan's are not far behind, if not as good as a oh, one-two they're, punch. They're better. It's freshman is a backcourt, like a freshman backcourt. They're better because they have a lot more size and they have the ability to actually match up defensively with different types of players. I would much rather have Pitt's backcourt. I, like, I think How- Xavier Johnson's a pro. To be honest, how many Georgetown people are going to be mad at you? Because they 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 already hate us, so we can just add you to that. Well, I don't think they're going to be mad at me because I actually really like Georgetown this year, but it's not because of the backcourt. Um, Xavier Johnson, though, is like I think he's a monster. Fifteen five and five last year, if I remember correctly. Uh, needs to work on the shot. Kind of has a funky release that he's got to work through to be a pro, but. He has all the other tools. He's an athlete. He's a leader. He's uh, really that kind of guy that uh, Jeff Capel did a really good job hitting on uh, early in his tenure that can maybe build something of a, of a culture there, uh, you know, build more of a winning culture than uh, good old-fashioned Kevin Stallings did. Oh, oh boy. Kevin. Oh. <laughs> Kev. No, not poor Kevin. Kevin should never be allowed near a college basketball court again. I just want to admit that there's one time on our podcast where Jim and Kai believe I said Kevin Stallings, I'd rather have him as my coach than Jamie Dixon. This was like, I think, peak. Oh, God. That was. But but I I, I was on record as saying that. So I I should be. I might might eject you from this call right now. (laughs) (laughs) The Uh, thing that worries me with Pitt, I do agree with you that I think Pitt is a very interesting deep sleeper. They just really don't have anything else other than the backcourt. Like, I don't really like any of their other front court players. I don't really like any of their other wings, really, either. So it gets really, it gets really, really tough, I think, unless some of these freshmen uh, step up in a way that I don't. Like, I'm, I just don't know enough about, maybe. I kind of think that's the issue with this league is there's very, like, to me, there's a very clear divide between, like, top five, I'll say, maybe top seven-ish. But then, like, the bottom six or seven is worse than it normally is for the ACC. Can I make a case for Miami? 
too, maybe. Um, I don't really <laughs> like Chris Likes that much. But oh, no. Yeah, like, he's fine. He's fun to watch. I just don't think he's, like, good at basketball. Um, <laughs> like That's important, I think. Yeah, so they bring in Harlan Beverly as a freshman that I think can get minutes early. Cam McGusty at Oklahoma as a freshman was really good. I think he struggled to adjust to the Trey Young ball-dominant yes. uh, situation that happened his sophomore year and thus ended up leaving. Uh, DJ Vasiljevic can at least shoot the ball. Keith Stone is a guy that can provide really good defensive value, I think. Um I just kind of look at this group and I'm not saying they're going to finish, you know, 10 and eight in the league or anything, but I think that they can win 20 games and maybe be a bubble team on the turn in the tournament. And they don't really get discussed that way. Jimmy Laranig is pretty sharp too. That's a guy I'd go to battle with. Yeah, totally agree. And then Notre Dame is the other team. They really struggled with injuries last year. Um, They do bring back John Mooney and TJ Gibbs. Hopefully, Rex Fluger is healthy. Do you have more information on that than I do, maybe? I've read that he's back, and he's been cleared to play, so I and think he's good to go. I love the sophomore class. Uh, Prentice Hub is, like, a very useful player. Uh, Robbie Carmody, shout-out. Robbie Carmody from Pittsburgh. Dane Goodwin, shout-out. Dane Goodwin from Columbus, my two former homes before uh, moving out here to L.A. Lazuski <laughs> is one of the best big shooters in the country, I think. He's going to really knock down shots at some point in his career. It's just whether or not it all comes together. But this is a group that really fits Mike Bray's identity of offense-first basketball, especially if Carmody and Lazuski can keep making that leap uh, from their freshman to sophomore year. And Carmody was obviously hurt last year. Yeah, the last time Mike Bray had a really bad team, he was like a top 10 team the next year. I think that, yeah, in 2014, they finished 96th in Ken Palm. They were 97th last year. Uh, and then in 15, they were 9th, and Ken Palm made the Elite Eight. So it's one of those things where, like, having one terrible year where you have to throw freshmen into the fire actually can be a long term benefit once you've swallowed that pill. Yeah. Um... I guess that we should also talk about Virginia here, given that they're the reigning national champions. And I love their fan base, and I don't want their fan base to be angry at me. I'm sorry it took us so long to get to you guys to start. So, Kai, where are you on Virginia heading into this season? Uh, Judging by the top 25s that have come out from other publications, I would say us as a collective are higher on Virginia. It's more a uh, program premium, premium, a uh, Tony Bennett bump, if you will. Um, he's just proven time and time again to have elite teams, no matter what type of talent walks out the door. Um, this year, a slight exception, just with Guy Jerome Hunter being that good. Um, but I think they're as good as any uh, to to win the ACC this year, and and they're definitely a good value in this league. When you look at Duke being at 16, Louisville 15, and they're sitting there at 14, um, it's not a bad pick at all. Wouldn't be surprised to make another Final Four even. Wow, uh, you are higher than I am, Jim. Do you have any thoughts? I'm kind of with Kai just because I I trust Tony Bennett and I can see the makings of some of the pieces working here, but it's not something I'm interested in investing in in this pool just because of the yeah. question marks. Uh, Matt, any thoughts? Yeah, it sounds like I'm closer to you on this one, Sam. Um, I just, like, Tony Bennett's been awesome, but if you look at this roster compared to the rosters he, he's had of, like, the last six years, every summer going into each season, you at least had some certainty as, in terms of who is going to be the guy, right? Or like there was a more proven or more clear cut, um, you know, guy about to make that leap last year is kind of DeAndre Hunter. This year, it's it's a lot riding on Casey Morcel and Thomas Woldetense, the, the the JUCO stud to to score. Um, I, I think Virginia fans think Braxton Key is going to morph into like Michael Beasley. I'm not quite sold on that yet. 
Uh, love Jay Huff, love Diakite, but just a lot of question marks offensively here. So the thing that Virginia's always had in their great years is like an incredible two-way wing. And I see Braxton Key as more of a four. Uh, I think he's just better as a big man than as like this uh, wing that can really uh, play perimeter defense and initiate actions and, you know, come off of screens and the mover blocker and knock down shots uh, in the mid range or from the wing or even initiate a little bit of offense. Like I, I see him more as a complimentary piece than as the piece. And I'm not a key a Clark guy. I'll just, come out and say that like I think he's fine I think he was like perfectly suited for the role that he was in last year uh basically they're gonna need Casey Morsell to really be uh much better than what his recruiting pedigree is and I think that's possible Virginia in general does a better job of evaluating players as a staff than I think most schools do uh and they are very high on Morsell so it's not that I think that Virginia is going to be bad. I think they're a top 15 team, but I'm with Jim in that I don't think I would want to invest in them necessarily. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, I guess that we'll just go with what is the worst value on this? Because we've all, you guys have said Florida State in terms of best value. Um, if you made me pick one in terms of my best value, I do think I would take Notre Dame over Pittsburgh um, at seven, although that seven number is pretty enticing. Uh I do think I would go with Notre Dame as my best value. Where are you at with worst value on the board? We'll start with Kai. So uh, I'm sure someone's going to say Duke, but um, I will throw out a new team we haven't discussed yet, uh, NC State. NC okay, State's why? At 12. Uh, you know, I like their talent. I like Kevin Keats, but I'm just not sold on them finishing. I'm not confident, rather, in them finishing the top half of this league. Totally can do it, but at 12, Ahead of a team like Florida State or even Notre Dame, who I consider to be, you know, on par with them in terms of talent-wise, um, I'd say they have a relatively low value here. Jim, between Duke and Virginia, just because I, that's not the top candidate I'd want to go with in this league, I'll say Duke. Uh, and Matt, yeah, I might go Virginia honestly, and I'm sure Tony Bennett will shove it up my ass when when they're like, you know, fourteen and two, you know, in, in, into March. So I'm sure that'll bite me. But yeah, I'm going Virginia. I just the roster is just really questionable at this point yeah so i'm gonna go with duke and the reason is it's not that i don't think they're not like a you know top 20 team i do think they're a top 20 team probably right on the outskirts of the top 10 but they're priced in this thing as you know a top four team basically and i can't really go with that for duke this year so i would say duke and then your best bet to win the league who would you guys go with it seems like north carolina um is that right yeah tar heels for me yeah, hate, be, hate, hate being group thinky, but I'm also heels this year. And then Kai has already said North Carolina, so we're going to go with uh, yes, North sir. Carolina as your guys' pick. It's between Louisville and North Carolina, and if we're being smart with points here, I should probably take North Carolina. But um, I think Louisville is going to be really, really good this year. So let's move on. Uh, let's go to the Big East because we uh, we kind of you know spoiled a little bit. I, I am high on Georgetown at 11 this year. I think that that's a good value. Uh, I look at what their roster is. I think mm. Jesse Govan was more harmful than he was good at basketball. I think that replacing him with Yurtsevin is going to give them more defense, which is hilarious because Yurtsevin was not exactly a bastion of strong defensive play at North Carolina State. Uh, Josh LeBlanc, I think, is like a potential pro that's hiding in plain sight. Uh, just a six-seven power athlete who can play across the front court. Pickett was pretty good last year. Uh, 
Then you get to the backcourt. You obviously have uh, Akinjo and Mac McClung. They bring in Terrell Allen from UCF, who was like a really uh, underrated point guard for them last year. I just kind of look at this group and they're deep across the board. They're really solid. Maybe they could use one more consistent wing, but I really like Georgetown. Where are you guys? I think they've got a big leap to take just because of where they finished last year. Uh, the 9-9 nine and nine record looks great. I think they were in the Big East, but they were 100th in Ken Palm. Um, so, you know, if the Govan exit for year seven helped, plus freshman to sophomore leaps from the that really vaunted sophomore class that could get them there. There's no team I like slightly more in that range. I don't know if you want me to reveal it yet, I'm, but I'll just say I like Providence. I think they're just in the same competition for second place, probably behind Villanova. Yeah. And they're a point less. So I, I lean Friars, but uh, I could definitely see where you're coming from with Georgetown and the talent angle and getting better from last year. So I will say I actually do agree with you that if I'm picking one team in this league, it would be Providence. But I, I don't want Georgetown fans to come down on me. I, I don't need that in my <laughs> life. I don't need Utah Jazz beat writer Tony Jones coming at me, yelling at me about <laughs> Mac McClung and James Akinjo. Like, mm-hmm. I like those guys, but, you know, I, I am with Jim here. I really like Providence. Kai and Matt, uh, one of you two, do you agree? Yeah, Jim took my uh, best value pick. Damn you, Jim. Providence is uh, is definitely who I would go with out of this conference. Uh, Matt, it was, pro- it was Providence or Creighton for me, uh, and I'll be honest, I'm ashamed to admit it. I, I actually looked at DePaul as well. I think DePaul actually has a little bit of value at, at a basically a chump change, $6. But I agree. I agree. Like, this league is so uh, it's so there's there's so little separation even with Nova this year right like the in, the injury to Antoine I think this league is so wide open um, and, and I think DePaul is better than people are giving them credit for and I know it's DePaul basketball and we need to see it first but uh, at six bucks um, you, you can't tell me that they're half the value that Marquette is right now at twelve so I actually think that's a sneaky like I, to me I would go that route and then invest your money in like more dominant smaller low to mid-major conferences uh for your other conference picks i guess so i don't think that's a bad call uh, i actually think that that's pretty smart just given how like there's a chance that 12 wins wins this league list this year which means that you're just not going to yep. get a crazy amount of value uh i think you really have to believe in charlie Moore to think that depaul is worth anything um or romeo weems like romeo weems isn't bad um oh, i'm all the way in on romeo weems i'm all the way in on romeo weems you guys might may, might have sold me a little bit on depaul get give me more on depaul here i want more damn Who, it no i maybe i didn't want to do this because i that's kind of been my like my hack on this is if i only use six points in the big east i can i can really spread the yes. lot elsewhere but uh, yeah, the Weems read front court. There's a lot of defensive potential there. And as I talk myself into this, I remember that Dave Laytow is roaming the sidelines, and I get frustrated with myself. But I think the value is really, really appealing. And Moore's been a star so far this summer. Um, so I, I think while I was very underwhelmed with him, obviously KU was basically you know a flash in the pan, and he was a little bit inefficient at Cal. He's been a lot better. Uh, I think coming back home, it just seems like he has like kind of that – that, that comfort zone that he's not quite found yet in college. And he certainly has the pedigree to, to lead a team like DePaul to, you know, say a middle of the pack Big East finish. I don't think they'll get that high, but in terms of a value play, that, that's where I am here. Man, you're going to really, like, convince me to go with DePaul in this thing. No, I was like, the Big East is weird. Just to take, yeah, go cheap and get out of here. That, that's the approach you take here, I think. Go cheap yeah. and get out. I don't hate don't that. Do uh, Providence is interesting. 
Uh, I do like Providence a lot. I really like AJ Reeves. I think he's terrific. Scorer is a two guard. I think a big part of their team in general is going to depend on uh, how David Duke adjusts after a inefficient, kind of honestly bad freshman year. Uh, Luane Pipkins comes in. I'm not really a fan of him. I think he's like a ball dominant chucker in a way that this roster doesn't really need. But, you know, maybe he can win them a couple of games when those two sophomores are cold. Uh, but Alpha Diallo, I think, is always the forgotten guy in the big east he's just really good like there's there's just like not another way to say it across the board now that he can knock down catch and shoot threes he's just really really good yeah diallo's a microcosm of like every player it seems like ed cooley recruits six 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 seven long physical athletic versatile um he just has a collection of swiss army knives and diallo's the the one that shines the brightest uh yeah i'm with you like the Pipkins versus Duke thing, I, I was pretty sold on Pipkins as, as the guy at point. Um, and we've talked about, too, just how important the point guard is in Chris Cooley's system, or sorry, Ed Cooley's system, excuse me. Uh, he always has kind of that, that lead guard who can get buckets late in the shot clock, like Chris Dunn, um, Kyron Cartwright, guys like that. And I think if one of those guys sticks, then the rest of the roster will sort itself out pretty well. So, um, And based on what Duke showed this summer, sounds like he's definitely trending in the right direction. Can we get a shout out to former Washington Redskins tight end Chris yes. Cooley? That's not oh, the first man. one. That's he not does it all one. the time. He, I love he's it. obsessed with Chris Cooley. I love it. Um, Number 46, so, I think, right? Yeah. Something like that. Villanova, I think, is an interesting discussion. There is no circumstance I would touch Villanova at 15. Uh, having seen them play USC, I wasn't at the game, but like I've seen it now. Um, they, they were bad. There's just kind of not another way to put it. USC just out-toughed them and was better than they are. And, like, I'm high on USC this year a little bit. Spoiler alert for the Pac-12. But it's hard for me to buy into a team at 15, even though Jay Wright is one of the best coaches in the country, if you can't beat USC uh, in a preseason game. Like, I guess that maybe I'm putting too much stock in it, but, like, this team just didn't really work all that well. I know they didn't have Gillespie in that game. They didn't have... Uh, Brian Antoine, obviously, but man, it's just like, I don't know how this roster fits. Are you guys as low, Kai? Yeah, I mean, at the beginning of the year, I can see this team struggling a little bit just because of that that newness. Wright doesn't have to work with a bunch of new pieces all too often, so this is kind of uncharted territory. But he, like Tony Bennett, like Chris Mack, some of the other coaches we've talked about, he's one of the very best. So I have no question in my mind they'll get it right by March. When talking in terms of this league, though, when you have five or six teams that can win the Big East within a realistic shot, I absolutely agree. I don't think you can take them um, at $15 here in this season-long pool. Yeah, if Brian Antoine was healthy, I probably still wouldn't take them, and he's a super big question mark for the entire year, it looks like. Uh, so, yeah, 15 There's not. they're not enough. Uh, a certain enough favorite atop the league for me to invest in them. Yeah, Sam, what's your Antoine take? Like, to me, with how guard uh, poor this roster is, which is such a, such a, goes against everything we know about Jay Wright teams over the past few years. Like, it sounds like he was a stud in high school and actually played most of that senior season with, like, a, a hurt shoulder. So if he comes back to his fullest form, like, is he going to be the difference maker, you think? I do. Uh, Penny, the little dog here, agrees. Uh, Penny, what do you think? Yep, like Antoine? <laughs> Strong, strong response here from Penny. So Brian Antoine's a shot maker, which is exactly what this roster needs. Like he can knock down shots off the dribble. He can get his shot when he needs to. Having said that, what I'm worried about now, even if Brian Antoine is healthy, this Villanova system is kind of unforgiving, especially for freshman guards. Uh, 
that staff really wants you to be able to like stop, jump stop, assess the situation, then decide if you're going to shoot it. They really want the game to slow down in your brain in a way that I think Brian Antoine is incredibly talented. I just don't know if it's like plausible for him to be as good as they need him to be early on this season, uh, given all that Villanova puts on their plate in terms of reading and reacting to what's happening around you on offense. So I actually think I would probably pick, I think I would pick Xavier to win the league right now. Um, I like Xavier a decent amount in terms of talent, like Najee Marshall and Paul Scruggs. I think Scruggs is really underrated in terms of talent. Um, You know, Najee Marshall's really good. Tyreek Jones is really good. Jason Carter uh, can step out and stretch the floor a little bit, which is what they need from a four man. Like, I'm not a Quentin Gooden guy either, but he exists and is there. (laughs) Is like a person that can maybe take over some scoring load game to game. Uh, This league is just really tough to project, and it makes me think that this is kind of the perfect league to take a flyer on someone like Providence, uh, or like you guys said, just punt it and go with DePaul. Uh, I I would have Providence third or fourth right now, along with Villanova, and I would probably have Seton Hall second. Yeah, that parody is why part of why I've pretty much talked myself into DePaul or Providence someone lower not not I don't think there's like a bona fide national title contender here so I don't want to spend no. 13 to 15 yeah I yeah. totally agree with that uh Matt and Kai <clears throat> yeah I mean I'm uh I'm with you with Xavier best bets went sure um again like Jim said there's no national title contender I feel comfortable with I'm gonna throw a little bit of cold water on the DePaul take there's no way they finish above eight so I just I just don't think that's good value I think they're priced how they should be so I, I apologize to the Jim Matt collected there about DePaul, but I think Providence is the team you need to go with um, if you're going to choose one. All right, best value here. Uh, Kai, you have Providence. Matt and Jim, I feel like you guys are the same as Providence, right? I'm going yeah. to Paul. I think I'm going Ooh. to Paul. Sorry, Jimmy. I'm, I'm riding with my hometown demons here. Um, although I do think Creighton, Creighton was in close contention for me as well. They have uh, a couple big injuries up front, but they've proven they can win without a ton of size. Um, I like the guards this year that McDermott has there. The, the DePaul-Providence decision is, like, the biggest swing factor in how I'm deciding my portfolio of teams right now. Like, if I go to Paul and can spread the love elsewhere, I'm, I'm going to be happy with that, but then upset when DePaul goes 3-15 and 15 in the big <laughs> <laughs> So we're, we're all in on Villanova being the worst value at 15, right? I actually yeah, think okay. Seton Hall is the worst value, you guys. Okay, Ooh. why Seton Hall? I'm just look around how they're priced. They're $14, so you're saying they're equal to North Carolina, a team that I think we all just said as a national titer, title legit contender. I just don't see that from Seton Hall. Uh, we're we're pretty known to be down on them overall this year, despite what they have coming back. And again, just goes back to the Big East talent pool, the amount of teams that can win the league. I just think they're just a little bit overvalued here. Yeah, I backed myself into a corner a little bit with Seton Hall with an article I read I wrote earlier this offseason about continuity for a team that was like kind of in the bubble range last year. So I don't think they're good value. I think the bad, the worst value is between them and, and Villanova. Taking an elite team here just doesn't make sense. I would agree. Um, I picked Xavier as my pick, like favorite pick to win the league. Uh, Kai, uh, your pick to win? Yeah, Xavier, I agree. Uh, Jim? I'll still go with Villanova. I'll trust Jay Wright. Matt? Yeah, I'm going Nova as well, and I don't feel good about it. Okay, let's move on. Let's talk about, let's go Big 12. Uh, Big 12 is Kansas's league every year, obviously, except for last year. So entering this year, 
I think Kansas is probably going to be better than they were last year, but everything is very dependent on the health of Yudoka Azabuki. I also have concerns uh, about playing Doka and Silvio de Sosa together regularly. Uh, having said that, I don't know that they have a better option realistically. So where are you guys kind of sitting with Kansas? Are they the very clear number one team? They are for me. I have them clear number one in the Big 12. Uh, I don't like the two bigs that much, but Bill Self has proven in the past that he can make it work. I mean, before the last couple of years where he's had to go small ball with Lesby at the four, Marcus Garrett at the four, what have you. Uh, he kind of dominated with the, the two big high-low type offenses. Now, neither of those guys are really like good passers and are going to set each other up well. So there's some hiccups in there. Um, but the backcourt is stronger to me. I think the offseason additions he got with uh, Isaiah Moss coming in and Jalen Wilson, kind of a three, four tweener and him after he left Michigan, those made the difference for me. And I have enough questions with the other contenders that Kansas, I feel most certain about being at the top of the league. Yeah, I think I, I echo. Yeah. I echo what Jim said there. Um, I think when you talk about most certain, quotation marks there uh, for a team to win their league it's kansas this is a top five team whereas everybody else in the big 12 is outside of the top 10 depending what you want to do at texas tech and i think texas tech is really the only team that can realistically uh take the title from kansas this year i do like baylor i just don't think they're going to be number one in this league so if you want a surefire conference tournament winner or rather regular season conference title winner um, I think it's Kansas. They're just the deepest team, top to bottom, most talented. Matt? Yeah, and what I like about this team is they're going to guard at a really, really high level this year. Like, this could be one of Bill Self's best defensive teams. Um, on the perimeter, I think Tots, or Dotson's a, you know, he's cat quick at the point of attack, and you have Isaiah Moss um, and then Marcus Garrett, who might be the best perimeter defender in the entire country. And then as Bill Self goes that or goes through that, you know, return to his roots with the two-big lineup, presumably, um, they're going to be untouchable on the board. So I just like that as a steady foundation. And um, the way Agbaji started to look this summer, it sounds like he the light bulb starting to flick on for him. He could really take them to um, that Michigan State tier one level in my eyes if he uh, if he breaks right. Yeah, I think I do agree with you guys that Kansas is going to be back to the top of this league this year. Uh, and I think that you brought up the best point, Matt. I think that their defense is just really going to be quite good. Uh, Moss brings them a level of shooting and floor spacing that I think was a question, especially in lineups where they're going to play Marcus Garrett quite a bit. Uh, and I'm not sure I believe in Devon Dotson being like a 40% three-point shooter yet, despite the fact that I think he was at like 40.1 last year, something in that range. Um, DeSosa, I think, is just a little bit... Like, I've never been super in on him. He was like a super five-star prospect. I've never really thought he was that but he's unquestionably going to be a good college basketball player. Uh, he gives them a degree of a backup option in case of Yudoka Azubuke getting hurt. And I got, I'll got i tell you guys this. like I went and saw Nike Basketball Academy this year where they bring in a lot of NBA scouts and general managers and stuff, have a lot of high school kids play, and then have a group of like 30 college counselors play. Yudoka Azubuke was jacked. Like he was not... <laughs> This is like the one-shotting podcast. Is Yudoka Azubuke fat or is he jacked bit? Like he is actually, he had like a six pack. It was ridiculous. He is uh, in seemingly quote unquote happens every summer, the best shape of his life. But if he is that, and he can be as dominant, strong on the block as he is, and can also be a dominant pick and roll player for 25 minutes a game. I think that Kansas is really good. They are for me, the number two team in the country behind Michigan state and I think, to be honest, I probably would have them in that tier. 
with Michigan State. To me, they are the clear top two teams in the country this year. Um, I do want to bring up Baylor, though, because I think Baylor has gotten better than what they were last year, especially if you believe in Tristan Clark coming back uh, from his injury well. Uh, Their backcourt looks really good with Mashio Teague and Davion Mitchell. Uh, Obviously, Jared Butler will return. Matthew Mayer is going to be there as kind of a wing that gives them some size. Uh, Tristan Clark and Mark Vital, obviously two guys that are just really, really strong and efficient players. Uh, Let's go with Jim. Where are you at on Baylor? So I actually wrote our Baylor preview this year, and one really interesting thing that stood out to me about them last year is once Tristan Clark got hurt, they just stopped posting up, and that's always been like a huge part of Scott Drew's offenses. He led them in post-ups last year, and he didn't play in 2019, basically. Uh, They just kind of threw volleyball on the glass and went through the the backcourt, and they've got good guards, but now with him back, they can kind of go back to the more conventional Scott Drew style play through a big man and let everybody else feed off of his presence. And he shot like 70% from the floor in the time he was on the court. So getting him back is huge for that team. Um, Kai, you kind of talked a little bit about Baylor at the start. Uh, to me, they are the clear number two team in this league. I'm sorry to Texas tech, but uh, what do you, what are your questions with Baylor given that uh, Jim just kind of talked about the strengths? Well, I said, I liked him a lot more when they had Mario Kegler in line to come back this year, but He's now off the team. I believe he went pro after some um, issues off the court. Um, There's not a lot of holes, to be honest. I mean, they are a solid number three for me in the Big 12. I just like Chris Beard at Texas Tech. But, I mean, this is a deep team. I think um, Drew can probably play, what, eight, nine guys, even with Kegler gone. Um, It is a lot on Clark, so he needs to stay out of foul trouble because I'm not sure I trust Lothamba yet, um, despite his awesome name, to come in and be um, the frontcourt player they need him to be. But, um yeah, I mean, I really have not a lot of qualms with this team. I would venture that Baylor has a good shot to end up on my uh, season-long pool roster just because I think they have a shot to make, like, an Elite Eight run, maybe. Um, and at 13, it's not overly ambitious in terms of price. Like, I think they are a top-20 team that's priced as, you know, maybe a top-35 team. Um, in terms of other teams in this league, you brought up Texas Tech. I am very concerned about Texas Tech. Uh, not in terms of like I think they make the tournament, but in terms of teams just being, or in terms of people just being like, Chris Beard is there, it'll all be good. I don't really buy into that, if only because like their big addition is someone that I've liked in the past in Chris Clark, but like Chris Clark was Virginia Tech's sixth man on a team that like was a sweet 16 team. And he's now expected to be maybe their best player, maybe their second best player behind Moretti. Um, not like as quite as high on uh, Jamius Ramsey as some people are. Uh, I've actually heard that their best freshman so far is talked about previously uh, on the game theory podcast with Coles Wicker. Uh, Terrence Shannon has gotten a lot of pub is like this six foot six wing. Who's done really well. I kind of followed up with scouts that have been down there and they said that Shannon looked really good. So I just don't know. Most people who've been down there have said it's kind of, it's not, it's not that they're bad. It's that they're really still figuring things out in a way that you don't expect. I'm not surprised by that, to be honest. Like I think the, the, one of the prevailing headlines this year narratives, I guess is like, Texas Tech, Virginia, Villanova. Um, yeah, you want to trust the coach in the system, but the rosters themselves—you just isolate them from the from that 
from that brand, you know, there's really, there, there's a ton of question marks. And Texas Tech, you know, Chris Beard has been explicit in the past in saying how he likes veteran teams and teams that understand his system and just older guys. And this is a pretty young team for the exception of the Clark Holyfield additions. And they're not like bruising big guys up front. I think they're going to lose a little bit of that physicality this year. So I'm kind of with you. I'm a little concerned about Tech. I still have them second, um, a, a slight tick above Baylor. But but I think your, your concerns are fair. Uh, Jim, any thoughts? I like the switchability. Um, they, they're going to struggle a little bit with bona fide size inside, but I think being able to switch a ton helps in Chris Beard's scheme. It's like the the, no, the big time no baseline. I know Jordan Sperber does a good job of talking about that. But uh, the one thing I wanted to mention, Sam, you are a true pro. We need to learn how to, to plug our own episodes like that. Plug our own references. Yeah, that was that good. Is just super well done. I wrote that down. <laughs> I wrote that down in my notepad. <laughs> oh my god. Um. So. Give me a best value in this league. So who do you think is the best value to select in the Big 12? Because I don't, I don't know if we've talked about my pick yet, so I want to give you guys the floor first. So let's go with Matt. Um, I can't decide between the two Oklahoma schools, to be honest. Um, I, I'm probably going to go Oklahoma State. It's basically the same team as last year, except now they have depth and they can play with more than five and a half players, essentially. Um, and the freshman class is good, not great. It's more of a program building class, but it's mostly four stars. So it's... They're competent enough to provide depth. I just like the way the roster fits. Uh, I'm curious, Sam, what your thoughts on our, on our Isaac Likely. I was really high on him last year, um, had moments. I just think that it, as he matures to a sophomore, he, he's going to really round out his offensive game and be able to provide a little more than just a you know defensive stopper, ball facilitator type role. Um, and then if Yorin A can, or Yorin I, I think it's Yorin A, can stay out of foul trouble, um, there's not many shot blockers in the country better than him. So I just like the way the roster fits. And at $9, that's pretty good value for me. Um, is that how you pronounce his name, Likely? I thought it's Likely, is it not? I have, I've, I've heard so many different renditions of it. I but... think it's Likely. Yeah, like I've always <laughs> thought it was like Lekekely. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, so... <laughs> So in Oklahoma State, I think that's an interesting pick because you really are going to have to buy in them making an offensive leap because I really don't buy the defense at all. Like I I get that Yorin A is very good on defense, and I think that uh, they really had some unlucky free throw luck last year as well. Team shot 75% from the line against them. Uh, So you would expect that Yorin A, Yorin I, his fouls would not be as costly to them next year, maybe, but I don't think they're a particularly good perimeter defense team. Uh, I don't think Ziagua is all that good. I don't think Lindy Waters is all that good. And that's on defense. I think that those guys really can shoot the ball and are valuable players, but not necessarily valuable on the defensive end. And then in general, because they play the scheme where all of these dudes have the green light to just fucking chuck the ball up at the basket you're going to create a lot more transition opportunities where I think it's going to be harder for them to set up their uh, best part of their defensive attack, which is uh, whenever your and I can be there on the back end to protect the rim. So I, I just worry about the way that the the scheme fits the roster a little bit. 
And because of that, I'm actually going to go with Oklahoma. And it's funny that like I'm talking about valuing defense when talking about Oklahoma and Lon Kruger. Who, those teams have just been a nightmare defensively. But I'm really in on Jamal Biennemi. I think he's going to be one of the guys that nobody knows about uh, right now and everyone's going to know about by the end of the year. Devion Harmon is a ready-made starter at the point guard position, I think, and can handle those responsibilities with Biennemi. Uh Austin Reeves. I think is at least valuable as a guy off the bench who can come in and knock down shots, handle some point guard, uh, you know, abilities, maybe handle some possessions there. Christian Doolittle is a really good senior leader, a guy that is going to be a monster, maybe uh, one of the three best defensive players in the Big 12. Brady Manick is a great floor spacer, perfect fit for Long Kruger's system. They have a really good underrated freshman class beyond Harmon as well. Jalen Hill, Anyang Garong, uh, Anyang. So I am <laughs> Jenner. I think Oklahoma is my pick for best value. Kai, what do you uh, say to that? I am 100% on board, Sam. It might even be the best value in the season long pool. Woo! That's right. Yeah. Big, uh, big explosion there. Uh, Oklahoma. I mean, if you like Ken Palm, we certainly do. Number 25 preseason in Ken Palm going for $8. That sounds like a pretty good bargain. In addition to all the players you named already, they also bring in two top 15 Juco guys. I mean, this team is pretty stacked. I think they're locked to make the tournament. And at $8, I can go and find national title contenders elsewhere. I think I'd like to do that. So easily best value for me in the Big 12. Uh, Jim, I don't know if I got your take on best value in the Big 12. You did not. Actually, the first team I locked in as I was going through this pool is West Virginia at nine. Um, not bad. My, bi- my big questions with them were a little bit of perimeter defense fit with Press Virginia, and Bob Huggins has pretty much come out and said they're not really going to do that as much this year, and they didn't towards the end of last year. And he also talked about how he like finally enjoyed coaching his team after they got uh, some of the, the players that were having off-court issues off of the roster. And now with the front court with Oscar Shibwe and Derek Culver just absolutely dominating the glass uh, in true Bob Huggins fashion, as long as they find enough shooting on the perimeter and if McCabe continues to develop a point like he did towards the end of last year, I actually really like them as a bounce-back team and am pretty comfortable with them at $9. Okay, that's interesting. So let's go with worst value. Who do you think is the worst value in this league? Oh boy. Um, I would probably just say Texas Tech because of the question marks. And again, they're, they're priced like a national title contender. Um, so I, I would avoid them. Kansas State also a contender for that for me, but that's it's less severe because they're only $10. Matt? Iowa State's the correct answer, uh, which pains me because for like few, a few years, Iowa State was probably my favorite team in the country, just as a bandwagon fan of all those awesome guards they had. Uh, George's Niang will be it might be on my Mount Rushmore of all time favorite college players. But anyway, it, the, the guards are really depleted this year. Uh, Prom's trying to patch together a roster that's you know basically comprised of okay freshmen and mid major transfers, and I just don't think eleven dollars makes any sense to me. I agree with you, Matt. Kai, totally agree. It's Iowa State. It's um it's going to be a pretty poor defense and not a lot to like if they're being. Uh, rated here is like the fourth or fifth best team. So I'm real worried about the Halliburton hype right now because he, everyone was like, oh yeah, this guy's a future first round pick. And I get that to an extent because he can play a role in a, and he really does affect winning with his incredible decision-making in basketball IQ and defensive value, but he really can't create off the bounce yet. And he has 
very poor jump shot mechanics that I worry about them coming back down to earth this year. Um, if he's your star player and then you don't have a crazy amount of depth behind him to where you're really going to be hoping for big years from Prentice Nixon and Rasier Bolton. Um, yeah, I think that I'm with you two where Iowa State is uh, a concern for me at the very least. Uh, and then we're all on the Kansas to win the league train, right? Yep. No question. Yes, sir. Uh, so before we go on to the Pac-12, football season's in full swing. College basketball season is about to get into full swing. Uh, get in the game with our exclusive sports betting partners at betonline.ag. This podcast is all about sports betting, and we have an exclusive betting partner at BetOnline. Sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit to start betting on college football, college basketball, professional basketball, professional football, whatever you want. Bet Online's got it. Every spread, every total, every winner or loser, straight bets, parlays, teasers, whatever you want, you can do it over at Bet Online. Uh, I actually just used their player prop builder to bet on like the Warriors to win plus Stephen Curry to drop like 40 points in a game because I'm an idiot and obviously lost that <laughs> bet. But uh, I got like plus 500, plus 600 odds on it. So I was like, okay, go off, whatever. Get the fastest to market odds, updates, and payouts uh, with betonline.ag. Head over to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use the promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. That's CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus. Let's go to the Pac-12. This league has been a just travesty and a total fucking nightmare for multiple years now. It's going to be a little bit better this year. Uh, I still don't love any of the teams in this league, and I think that there is a real case to be made for using one of your picks to punt here. Um, Let's go with Matt. What are your thoughts in general on the Pac-12? Is there a team that is worth discussing early here? To be honest, no. Um, I, I actually circled USC, which I, I hate myself for doing that. I, I just think that I'm, I've been very sick of watching Andy Enfield underachieve with talent the last three years. Um, I, I think some of that had to do with injuries in certain spots. But to your point, I, but as I look at the options to punt with, like in comparison to the Big East, where I think DePaul actually has upside, I don't think there's any real upside this year with like Cal or Wash State. So if you're trying to you know strike the balance between you know punting but also maybe hoping to to hit a flyer, USC USC certainly has the talent to you know to maybe put together a string of wins. And their non-conference is super duper easy. So um, I, I think that actually could be a decent play at eleven dollars. Jim, I've been leaning towards punt here as well. Um, I really don't like the 14 point teams priced at the top of the league. And I think the 13 point teams are more talented, but have serious question marks. Uh, Sorry. The 14 pointers are Colorado and Washington and then Arizona and Oregon right behind them. So I've been leaning towards UCLA just because I don't really want to use a lot of points here. And Mick Cronin, while it probably will take him a little while to instill his style, uh, (coughs) it's an okay gamble near the bottom of the league. Somebody that could get to like nine to nine in the pac 12 and get me some points. So, yeah, they're, they're through. Kai, go ahead before I give my take. No, I mean, Jim hit my uh, take on the head. UCLA is my, my punt team in this league because they, they could just hit a, hit a good streak with Cronin and, you know, get to that top four. And I think it's hilarious that Washington, Colorado are over Oregon and Arizona. will not be touching them with a 64-foot pole. 
Colorado's interesting. Washington, I think, has a chance to be an unmitigated disaster. Um, let me let me pitch you on three teams here. So you guys have mentioned them all. USC, I think, is just has a chance to be a top twenty-five team uh, at priced at eleven dollars, eleven points, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Onyeka Okongwu is a potential one and done. I think he's just going to be super, super productive. Um, I actually really like some of their guards uh, between, uh, you know, Quentin Adlis, who's coming in as like a guy who can just kind of stem the tide and be a consistent presence. Jonah Matthews is a senior now. Uh, Elijah Weaver has some talent, at least. Uh, Kyle Sturdivant and Ethan Anderson are pretty good. Uh, You've got Daniel Yatomi, the grad transfer from Akron, who can knock down shots. Uh, Isaiah Mobley is a five-star, even though I don't really think of him in that regard as a talent guy. They're not bad. Like, I think you can make a case. But the two cases I will make that are better are Washington State. So first, listen to this uh, just overall uh, schedule here. Seattle, Santa Clara, Idaho State, Omaha. Then they get the Cayman Islands Classic, which they start with Nebraska, who I don't think is very good. Um, The rest of that uh, whole tournament is... South Florida, George Mason, Colorado State, New Mexico State. I believe that's Lipscomb and Old Dominion. So a lot of teams in their range. I think they could win that tournament, like surprisingly. Then Idaho, New Mexico State, UC Riverside, Florida A&M, Incarnate Word, and Arkansas Pine Bluff. In terms of their in-conference stuff, two of their road games are Cal and Stanford, who uh, are not very good in my opinion. Two of their road games are uh, UCLA and USC. I think they can steal one of those. And two of their road games are Utah and Colorado. That mountain time zone trip is tough just from a, uh, what is it, altitude standpoint. But I think that you can actually steal a win from Utah. So their road games aren't bad. Their home games, uh, they have a pretty good home schedule. I think that Kyle Smith is just really fucking good at his job. And you can make a case on that team getting to 19 wins and not being a NCAA tournament contender. Do you guys have a strong opinion on that? I kind of love your uh, your non-conference digging there. I think you just named like eight of the 10 worst teams in college basketball this year. So uh, that's actually a pretty sneaky play, especially at the uh, dollar value you can get. I don't hate it. I think we're all Kyle Smith fans. Both yeah, you do not have to sell us. You don't have to sell yeah. us on Kyle Smith. We love him. Did, did a great job at San Francisco, even at Columbia before that. And then CJ Ellaby, I mean, he's making that freshman to sophomore leap. So, Sam, you might be onto something with, uh, with the Cougars. So Sam, you're, then, just try, you're just trying ahead. to plug Mr. Saffer. You're trying to plug Mr. Saffer and his boy, Mr. Kyle Smith there. That's what I think your agenda <laughs> is. But, uh, but, no, I do love this. I love the non-con. I think the broader point is for – this league and um, the Big East, you know, digging into non-con schedules. Like, obviously, you're not going to go through every single team's slate. But if for those of you wanting to take this seriously, this is a league we're looking at. The non-conference slates can can steal you a few points here. So my next uh, UCLA is my third group, just because again, look at their schedule: Long Beach State, Santa Barbara, UNLV, Southern Utah, Hofstra, San Jose State, Denver. Notre Dame on the road, North Carolina neutral um, in the CBS Sports Classic, then Cal State Fullerton. Plus they have, I believe, the Maui Invitational as well. So, and they play BYU, which is a winnable game for them early on. If you really believe in Mick Cronin just being able to get the most out of this group defensively, I do think there's a case to be made there. Uh, Best value, I will throw you guys your picks now. So Kai, you go first. So I was going to say UCLA because I 
think they have that big, you know, one-shot punch or what knockout punch, whatever chance. But I think Oregon's actually the best value when you look at the two teams that are priced ahead of them in Washington and Colorado. We've seen Dana Altman have tons of success in March late. It's a team that can sneak its way into a Sweet 16 in Elite Eight, and I think they have the best shot of winning the league outright. All right, Jim? Um, yeah, I'd, I'd probably UCLA. You might have talked me into Washington State, though. I, I don't hate that pick, especially where I can put another point somewhere else in, in my picks. Matt? I'll probably stick with USC, but Kai, I like your Oregon picks. I do think in terms of like long-term NCAA deep run upside, they probably have the highest ceiling just because Altman's shown that before. The, the talent level there is still really strong. And with that funky, um, that 2-3 zone that he plays, that kind of a matchup-y type zone, it's tough to prepare for, and it sets up for a deep tournament run. So you could get like a flyer steal um, with Oregon if they made a really, really you know deep push, lead eight, final four type run. I don't hate the Oregon pick. I probably do not want to spend the points on them necessarily. But there's like a non-zero chance that if I do a second or third one of these that I take them. I do agree with Kai that they do have the most upside for a long-term tournament push. Um, I'm not a big Nafali Dante guy. Having said that, if you can play him in the middle of a zone and make his reads like super simple for a guy who's going to get there late or not going to be able to play in games until later in the season, I think there's a real case to be made that Oregon has a chance to be very, very good. Um, worst value on the board. I think you guys would say one of Colorado or Washington. It sounds like Jim, we can start with you. Yeah. It's one of those two or Cal. Just don't take Cal, even though there's six points, just don't bother Matt. Yeah, it's for sure. Washington, right? Like, I just don't know who's playing guard for this team. until so quad a green comes back. Um, and I just, I think, you know, we've talked about this at length that when your best players are big guys, especially Jane McDaniels, who's more of a project as opposed to a ready-made guy to contribute right away. Um, I, I can see him going through like a month or two of ironing out the Kings, and that team could could struggle early. And Kai. Yeah, it's Washington or Colorado. I don't hate Colorado as a whole. They bring everybody back. I think they're a really good team, but at $14, no way. And then Echo, Matt Stoss, and Washington there. Colorado is the same price as North Carolina in this pool. Right. Um, <laughs> you're stealing money by not taking Colorado or by taking North Carolina. Um yeah, worst value, I do think I would go with Washington. I've just heard that they don't look particularly great right now um, in terms of like preseason and uh, just practices. Uh, I think, Shah- or, uh, what's his name, Sahonis, uh, Marco Sahonis, uh, he is not a bad guard option. I've seen him play a few times. He's kind of a shooter, uh, not a bad player. Quade Green will get back as well. But yeah, I just worry about where the guard production comes from. I think Isaiah Stewart's a stud, though. I think he'll figure it out uh, and be like a real valuable piece for them. Um, Yeah, I think that I would go with Washington still, though, is the worst. Go ahead. Sam, why is Raekwon Battle not getting more hype? Is he being was he over like I guess overranked in the recruiting? Like I feel like everyone, no one's talked about him. Uh, um, blind I, spot for me. I haven't okay. seen enough of him. Okay, is, is, he's like a, I know he's like a four star kind of guy, right? Yeah, he's a fringe top eighty guy. Um, and I just from what I've read, seen it doesn't feel like he's the surefire answer in the backcourt, which I would expect him to be given who they lost there, um, especially until Green comes back. So 
makes me even more queasy on this team to start. Well, he's kind of a wing, isn't he? Um, more than like a lead guard, from what I understand. And they already have guys yeah. like, yeah. Ham- yeah, like they have Amir White. They have right. They have uh, Nas Carter. Uh, obviously, Jade McDaniel's gonna have to play on the wing. Like they have guys to play there. So I just wonder if like may- maybe the positional part is not great. I don't know that we need to spend a lot of time on Colorado. Uh, I think they're going to be good. I just don't like them at 14 Arizona. Uh, I just don't like them at 13. They're probably a top 25 team. Um, Oregon. I agree has the most upside. Probably uh, my pick to win the league. Probably. I don't fucking know. It's the Pac-12. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kai, you, you, you're going to go Oregon, right? I'm going Oregon. Arizona's two for me. Uh, Jim? I'll go Arizona. Nico Nation. I love Nico Nation. Matt? I love Nico Suave as well, but I'm going Oregon. Uh, I'm going to go pass because I have to watch these teams, (laughs) and it makes me sad. Uh, Let's move on. Our last main league here, the SEC. Weird league this year, I think. I am in on the SEC uh, as a strong league. I just don't really know the way to order the teams. Uh, there, is, there are two teams that I really, really like, and I will almost certainly take one of them. Um, having said that, which one do you like better, Kentucky or Florida? We'll start with Matt. I think they're both properly priced, um, so I might steal your pass there and say pass, but I, I don't know if I really want to choose between the two. Um, I, I Florida, just on paper, is like it checks every box that you could possibly, you know, create. I just the the whole Mike White thing, like do I trust Mike White as um, you know, as a surefire nationally elite coach? That that that's the only point, the only concern we have, I think, amongst the three of us. But, you know, as you go it's just so rare where you find uh, a point guard, a cerebral floor general like Andrew Nemhart, who we all are in love with, come back for a sophomore year. You bring in two five star freshmen who are athletic but can also shoot it. Um, you have some legit size up front, and you have a, a centerpiece in Blackshear. I mean, that team has everything. Um, it's just a matter of does it all come together. Folks, uh, I have a 55-1 to 1 national title bet on Florida, and I Ooh. am fucking excited about it. Oh, you ass. I have <laughs> yeah, what do you to have? One. I have 50-1. to one. He beat me. Oh, that's tough, man. <laughs> Jim, you've, you have, you've, made, you. you've made smart moves. Yeah, I agree. Um. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's start with Kentucky, I guess, just because Kentucky is the team that you know gets all of the hype in this league. I'm a big fan of Kentucky this year. I think they're going to be very good. I think they're a top six team in the country for sure. Tyrese Maxey is incredible. He is going to be a monster at the lead guard spot. Um, I guess Ashton Hagens also plays the lead guard. They'll play two of them because they're both <laughs> too good to stay off the floor. Um, is there any, what worries you most about this Kentucky team? I guess I'll ask Kai. I guess you had a nitpick. Um, I think they're very good. They're number three for me in the country. It's got to be shooting. I mean, if you had to choose one thing, uh, defensively, they're elite. They could be the best defensive team in the country. I just don't feel as sure of them, quote unquote, as I do of Michigan State at $17, the highest price team in the pool. So it's really nitpicky when you start to look at flaws for Kentucky which is why I think Florida's the better choice in this um, in this conference. I think it's shooting, maybe. Um, you're going to play a lot of Ashton Hagens to make the defense work at the point of attack. Maxie's a stud shooter. Johnny Juzang is a stud shooter. I just don't know if you can keep him on the floor defensively yet. Uh, Keon Brooks is more of a mid-range guy. Khalil White's a little bit in- – or Khalil Whitney, I'm sorry, is a little bit more of an inconsistent shooter at this stage. 
Uh, I don't want to trust EJ Montgomery or Nick Richard shooting yet. Sestina can shoot, but I, I don't know that there are, again, it's kind of like the Duke situation where you want two way guys versus guys that can just do one side of that equation. And I worry that Kentucky has guys that might not be able to fill both sides of the equation. It's weird to see John Calipari not bring in like a top 10 or 15 recruit. That's a big man. Like it's, it's just it's yeah. one of the first years in a while. He missed out on Dante uh, late in the process. Now he's got Montgomery and Richards who like have under underwhelmed relative to their billing. And Nate Sestina has just torn it up in like the blue white scrimmage in their exhibition. And I know Kyle Tucker from the athletic has talked about like, they might've been screwed without him <clears> because he's just providing like all the offense in the front court. Yeah, so I don't know if I'm going to be likely to pick Kentucky in this thing um, just because of the 17-point value versus Florida's 15 points. But I do like both of those teams and think they're both very good. In terms of value in this league, there's one team that really sticks out to me. Um, I want to hear from Matt. Is there a team that sticks out to you? Yep, it's South Carolina with a bullet. I am all the way in on Frank Martin, the general, this year. Um, I I don't really know why. I've just been drinking the Kool-Aid, I think all offseason i heard he was on a podcast i think with jeff goodman just gushing about his freshman and sophomore class he calls it the most talented team he's had top to bottom um which could certainly be coach speak but um when the general delivers it so forcefully you have to you you just have to perk up you have to listen so i'm going to be brainwashed with the gamecocks this year aj lawson Keyshawn bryant um i'm banking on big leaps um i think justin Monai coming back from the injury is gonna be a lot better than um than people expect and i think they're okay up front too um, and they just had so many injuries last year. I just think that a fully healthy Frank Martin team at uh, eight bucks in this league is going to be pretty good. And their non-conference is pretty pretty uh, shaky as well. So they should be able to rack up some wins early there. I like that one. I hadn't really thought of that one, um, to be honest, even though I should have. Uh, I do like AJ Lawson quite a bit, and Frank is very good. Jim, uh, where are you at with the SEC? I've been between two teams waffling back and forth between Alabama at 11 and Mississippi at 10. Uh, I really, really like both coaches, and I think the rosters fit pretty well for what they want to do. Kadeem Steed, the big Juco transfer coming in to Ole Miss, gives them a weapon up front that they didn't really have last year. And then Alabama, Nate Oates, always great perimeter defense, and they've got a bunch of athletes there. And I think Kyra Lewis is like, I'm deciding on whether I'm going to have him on like third team All-American. I think he's going to be incredible. I agree with you on both those teams. Those were my two picks. Uh, I do like Mississippi quite a bit just because of their backcourt. Uh, Brian Tyree might be the most underrated player in the country. Um, yes. I've gotten so much flack for being a big Tyree fan. Yeah, he's really good. He's like a really, really good scorer. He's like, look, there are holes here. I mean, he's like a six foot two shoot first, you know, ask questions later guard. But... <laughs> <laughs> at the same token, like when you can knock down shots efficiently uh, and create, like it's kind of like Moody that they had a few years ago, except better, I think. Um, I also really like Blake Henson a lot too. They're like big 6'6", 230 pound, like combo forward. I think he's really good. And you mentioned C as well. Kai, uh, is there a team that sticks out to you most here? Yeah, Ole Miss was in the running, but um, I'm between Mizzou at $9 and Arkansas at $8. So since Homer. I'm a Mizzou... You're a homer. What's that? You're yeah, no, I, I am a bit of a homer. I am a Mizzou grad, but um, I mean, their their backboard is stupid deep. Um, advanced analytics sites like Kempom and Bart Torvik, two sites we uh, we respect a lot, have them much much higher than the media poll in the SEC. Had them 13th, I think, which is ridiculous. But they're a team that can make the tournament. 
Um, same with Arkansas. Musselman comes in and brings in a lot of talent. So uh, for the value, I like those two teams as well as Ole Miss. I want to talk about Alabama too. I also like Alabama uh, in the same mold as Jim. I think that uh, Kyra Lewis is a stud, uh, potential first round pick this year. Um, John Petty is a really, really useful guard who can knock down shots, hopefully. I do worry about the front court, having lost Daniel Giddens to Vermont. Um, I just don't know what they do there necessarily. But I am also a big fan of Nate Oates and think he is, thinks, like, I think he's great. Uh, I think he's very, very good at instilling his scheme and getting up and down the floor. Um, Auburn at 13 is probably a little bit too pricey for me, but I think they are going to be quite good. Uh yeah, I mean it's hard to it's hard to come down with one team here because there are some really really interesting upside plays like Missouri. You guys mentioned at nine, I believe it was Kai that mentioned it at nine. Uh, Drew Smith and Mark Smith in that backcourt has potential to be among the best backcourts in the SEC. Yeah, buddy. Sam, what do you think about Tennessee? Like, I feel like they they could be decent value if you're all the way in on James and Pons. Um, do you have hot takes on those guys? I feel like I, I'm I'm a little skeptic of their product or their ability to be efficient this year and the the, the depth. But if uh, if they're bona fide studs, I think that's a good value pick at twelve. I do like James. To me, the swing guy is Lamonte Turner. Everyone's been talking him up this summer as <clears throat> more than what I've seen of him in the past. Maybe I'm not really a huge fan, but if he can really play, then like you can play him as a scoring guard next to James and really take the pressure off him to have to score. Jordan Bowden's obviously going to be a really good floor spacer for them with size at six, six Eve ponds is going to be a really good defensive player at the, at the four for them. Uh, Fulkerson is interesting and useful in the front court. At least I wish that they had another big that like, I felt really good about if they had that next guy, like I think I would be in with you, but I, I don't know. No. If Burns had stayed, would that have done it for you, or is he not good enough? The guy that went to Winthrop? Yeah, I don't know enough about him. I'm not going to even pretend. Okay. <laughs> like, <Okay. laughs> I don't know enough about him. Um, yeah, I just don't know enough about these bigs other than Fulkerson to really feel confident at a $12 price tag. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. They're they're kind of floating with actually worse value to me, Matt, just because of those home-court <laughs> question marks. Um, let's do, let's do worst value then. So Matt, what is your worst value on the board here? It's gotta be Mississippi state, right guys? They, I, I think the four of us would be in competition to get minutes in that backcourt right now. Um, what weather spin is kind of bad. <laughs> Same, your jumper is pretty solid, right? You're a good, you're a catch and shoot guy, right? Is that where you project? <laughs> it's not that big of a disaster, man. <laughs> uh, I, I just think without weather spin, um, I don't know who's creating shots for that team. Like Tyson Carter's been a really solid role player his whole career. I've never seen him in a even like in like a secondary creation role. So um, once you get past that, I, I'm searching for answers in terms of who's going to create shots. Uh, Kai, could you uh, play backcourt State. for Mississippi State? Uh, Mississippi State's for me. I mean, Weatherspoon suspended first ten games. So if you want to look for a non-conference value, I would not pick Mississippi State. Jim. Yeah, Mississippi State, Tennessee, just, again, because of those front court questions. And, like, I'm very okay with you going with Kentucky or Florida as a national title contender. And we talked about a lot of the other middle-tier teams. So there's not a ton of bad value in this conference, I don't think. Okay, so Mississippi State's first 10 games. And I'm assuming that this South Alabama uh, game that they played, what, three nights ago counts in that 10 games because schools always do that bullshit thing where they count exhibitions. (laughs) So 
Florida International, Sam Houston State, ULM, New Orleans. Then you get three games in the Myrtle Beach Invitational, the first one against Tulane. So that's probably five wins right there um, in six games. Then you get one of Villanova and Middle Tennessee State, which I don't see them beating Villanova either way, even with Villanova's question marks. Um, And then they're going to get a third game probably against a bad team, which is more beneficial for the purposes of this contest, right? So that's going to get you to eight games. Louisiana Tech, who I think they beat, probably gets them to nine, although that could be a bit dicey, even though it's at home. And then Kansas State is the 10th, and that's the game where they could most use Nick Weatherspoon. So, like, I don't know that the 10-game suspension for Weatherspoon is, like, a murderer here if for Mississippi State. Um, the team that I look at as uh, rough value, let's say, is LSU. I think 13 is just a little bit too pricey for me. Um I get that they have a really interesting backcourt in Javante Smart, and I'm a big Skylar Mays fan. Um, I don't love their depth. If someone gets hurt on this roster, period, I think that they are in a lot of trouble. Uh, Emmett Williams, Trendon Watford, Darius Days, again, good front court players. Uh, I don't know enough about Manning and Thomas, the Juco guys. Maybe that's what's throwing me off here. But I just really look at the depth and worry. Uh, if someone goes down for LSU, this thing could fall off the rails a little bit. Yeah, last year when Waters got hurt, Smart came in and had 29 points at Tennessee. Or maybe it was at home against Tennessee. But, like, they don't have that luxury at all this year. Yeah, I mean, uh, do you guys have strong takes on LSU, Matt and Kai? Not really. I love Trent Wofford. Um, so I'm curious, you know, how he – it was weird last year. They had so much size up front, but I felt – I feel like they didn't really weaponize it to the degree that they could have. Um, so it looks like this front court is going to be more athletic in terms of lateral mobility. Um, you know, Whopper, I think, is more versatile than, than Naz Reed was, even though Naz Reed tried to show us how versatile he was all the time. I think Wofford's going to be more efficient and sort of that, um, you know, you kind of trigger man, you can play through him. But I'm with you. It's not great value. Uh, just a lot of question marks what this team looks like offensively without Tremont Waters. First and foremost, Matt, how dare you? It's a <laughs> Naz Reed friendly podcast. We love our thick, uh, beefy shooting sons here on the Game Theory Podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, LSU is tough for me. In terms of favorite to win the league, I am actually going to go with Florida. Uh, I think Florida is a top five team this year. I would have them one slot ahead of Kentucky uh, right now. I think they're just really good. And like you guys said, uh, while the Calipari versus Mike White coaching difference is real, and I think Calipari is in terms of what people say about him, maybe the most underrated coach in the country. Like he's really fucking good at actually coaching defense and getting his guys ready to play. Um, maybe you can quibble about uh, style of play and in-game adjustments, but uh, few guys get more out of rosters defensively than Cal does. Uh, and like you guys said, this team has all of the tools to be one of the best defensive teams in the country. I'm still going with Florida though, because I trust their mix of players and their mix of skills and their lineup versatility a little bit more. Kai, uh, where are you going? Yeah, uh, I have Kentucky ranked ahead of Florida, but from a value perspective, um, Florida is just as good with that to win this league. So I would take Florida all the way. Jim? Uh, Pick to win the league. I, I took Kentucky on our site and I will stick by that by a hair. And Matt? I'm going Florida by a hair. I like the Kentucky's team this year is more guard driven. Um, I'm excited to watch it in general, but I'm going to go with Florida. All right. So 
Next are these wild card picks, and we're going to use this to go through the rest of the other leagues. So I would imagine that you, like me, have some teams that you're interested in uh, and have maybe considered locking down. So I will start with you, Jim. Who is the first team you really like outside of the power structure? Um, between a couple, I'll, the first one I'll say is Loyal Maryland. Um, in the Patriot League, they're only going at six points. So really, really cheap, and I think they could get up near the top of the league just because of they bring back Andrew Casteca, who's a potential player of the year in that conference, and then the recruiting class. They went over to Spain and got a couple of studs, including Santi Aldama, who was the MVP of the the Euro FIBA U19. Uh, and so if they end up, you know, playing all the way to the top of that league and could go like 13 and five or something and and win the tournament and get in the NCAA's, that's incredible value at six points. So that's that's one I am pretty close to locking in. That was one that I had as well. Uh, Matt, I will give you the floor. I think there's two teams you, you have to take. Well, one you have to take, uh, Sam Houston State. Like, just what they have coming back. Um, they, I mean, they lost a couple of big pieces, but they, they just ran through that league last year. I think there was a stretch where they covered, like, 13 games in a row. Um, they don't play, you know, a murderer's row of a non-con. Um, and the, the way their style is set up and what their schedule, you know, breaks out, they're, they're just going to win a lot of games. And it's a team that's probably going to be favored to win the conference and the conference tournament. Um, so you can get a lot of points just in the, the regular season there. Sam Houston State is interesting. I had not locked them in because they were eight, they're at nine points, um, which is not bad. Like, you know, it's you're just not getting a lot of value from a wild card team there if you want to try and lock in with some of the best teams at the top. Um, Kai, I will give you the floor next. Yeah, when we're looking for like super value in these uh, non-power teams, I'm looking at the six and seven dollar range, and one that just popped out at me was UTEP. Oh, uh, I love it. That's one that yeah, I team, too. Yep, yeah, I'm with you, Kai. I got UTEP. Team in Conference USA, Rodney Terry brings in just a crap ton of talent from the transfer wire. Um, Jim had him third, I think, in the Conference USA preview on our site. They could absolutely finish that high. My one little concern is I think Conference USA still does that split scheduling at the end of the year where UTEP's going to play kind of harder conference games. But aside from that, I think that's just insane value at $7. Yeah. Do they get Keontae Kennedy this year or next year? Cause I know they get Caden Archie midway through the year, right? I think it's like still to be determined with him. It's kind of crazy that like they have so much depth already even without him, but yeah, that'd be another huge piece. Yeah. Like this is a high major team. If they end up with Sule boom, Caden Archie, Keontae Kennedy, Bryson Williams and like Eric Vila is their center. Like that is, that is a team that is going to be in the mix to win conference USA. I think, let alone uh, Jim probably is smart to be a little bit more conservative at three, but they beat Texas tech in a uh, preseason scrimmage as well. Uh, Just looking at this roster, it's, it's very deep and it's very good. Um, I am very angry at you guys for taking my picks. One team that I had uh, was grand Canyon. Um, the reason that I have Grand Canyon is I think there is a real chance that uh, Jalen Fisher just like murders that entire league. Like if he gets eligible midseason, like is anticipated, I think that they have a chance to compete at the top of that league with New Mexico State, uh, if only because they do have uh, quite a few pretty good players on that roster still like you're talking about alessandra lever oscar fryer carlos johnson was really good for them last year too um there's there's just a lot of talent there that i think could really really um really play up in that league uh, are you guys strong on grand canyon yeah i liked grand canyon i actually thought about them and had them written down uh and it helps that the WAC now has 16 games right instead of 14 yep. 
because it before that it was like oh if they can really max out at like 13 and one it's not as good but now if they can go 15 and one that's four extra points and that matters when you're looking at these these fringe teams that you're trying to fill out your wild cards so another team that i put on my list here is kind of the opposite of what we have been saying to do with these wild cards going with like lower upside lower uh money teams that have upside within their leagues harvard is going off at 11 now the problem with harvard is that they only play 14 league games uh and they only play two conference tournament games the most i also think harvard is interesting because they're the mid-major team along with vermont that i look at and say this team probably has the best chance of going deeper into the ncaa tournament among the group of low and mid-major teams do you guys have a strong take on harvard no, I mean, I think the talent is just ridiculous, right? Um, we, we haven't quite seen Amaker translate that talent into a high level of winning and performance. I mean, they've been obviously near the top of the Ivy the last few years. Uh, but now you get Towns and Aiken back together. So you have the 2018 Player of the Year teaming up with the 2019 Player of the Year. Um, I think both of whom are, are, are fringe uh, draft guys. Sammy would know better, obviously. But then, you know, it's four stars later throughout the rest of the roster. So, And the Ivy itself is also down, so that probably gets you a few extra wins um, you know, within the conference relative to what you've seen in the past. I think the other two mid-majors that we've been really high on are New Mexico State, um, the same conference that you just talked about with Grand Canyon, um, and East Tennessee State out of the SoCon. They bring back everybody from a really good team last year. Uh, Steve Forbes, a coach that we respect. So those are probably the two other teams. Kai, Jim, feel free to hop in. Like Mid-majors, we think, can make like a Sweet 16-type run. <clears throat> one yeah, one uh, mini thing on Harvard. I just want, Harvard hosts the conference tournament finally this year after having to play road games the last two years at Yale and at Penn and losing those. So that even helps like just that incremental potential to win that tournament and get the, the Ivy bid. Yeah, Sam, you mentioned Vermont. That's the number one team in terms of this team can go 16-0, and 15-1 their league and hands down crush their league and maybe make the second weekend. So if you're looking for just a completely dominant mid-major team at a pretty good price at 12, uh, Vermont is the way to go. Yeah, there's a chance that Vermont wins... Fuck, I mean, they could win 30 games going yeah, into the NCAA play. tournament. Yeah. And if you're talking about if you're talking about them winning 30 games, you're talking about what? Let's say 45 points in this thing. Um, so they have they have St. Bonaventure on the road, which is kind of a tough game. Uh, Osunee is pretty good. They have Bucknell, which is, you know, another somewhat tough game. Boston they should beat. I think they beat St. John's. They're going to give a tough game to Virginia. And then the rest of the way, you're talking um, Central Connecticut State, Ryder, or Columbia in this tournament. Um, Gallaudet, Gallaudet. That's that's a real team name, I swear. Um, <laughs> you gotta Yale. watch out for the Gallaudet. You gotta watch out for them. Wait, yeah. yeah. So, are, do we count non D1 games? Do those count for this pool? I it's believe a, they do. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, and then Yale and Cincinnati, both of whom I think Vermont should beat, even though those games are on the road. Uh, and then Towson, UNC Greensboro, and Lipscomb. Uh, I believe Lipscomb has lost quite a bit. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. Yeah, yeah they, they lost their coach in like four of their five starters. Yeah, it's yeah. it's tough there. Yeah, plus George Washington. So they Vermont did go out and like try and schedule pretty hard. So there's a chance that they enter America East like eight and four, which is not super great necessarily. But I still think that I'm with high and thinking like yeah this team is probably just going to be really good and we should not overthink it maybe at 12 points are they worth it maybe not uh they do have a high floor but um 
that upside maybe is a little bit capped just because like a good run for them is sweet 16 not uh not like final four necessarily uh like if you look at some of these high major teams at 12 points um you know i'm I'm trying to look look for one that makes sense um tennessee at 12 points you could make a case that they could make a run um man maybe maybe they are properly rated at 12 it's actually that's like right in the range i'd have them i'd probably (laughs) rather have providence at 10 though i would too yeah the problem with vermont it's like you know they're not going to make the elite eight right i mean in, in all likelihood, probably not the Sweet 16 either. Yeah. Um, is there any other team that you guys want to bring up that you are excited about? Can we, is it, I don't know if this is a good time to do it, but can we talk about the, the Gonzaga conundrum? Okay. Just, yeah, sure. I, Gonzaga's important. I'm, I've been trying to figure out if I want to use them because I think they're going to dominate the WCC again, even though St. Mary's is very good. And if they get a high seed in the NCAA tournament, they probably will play in Spokane. So that's a couple, hopefully, uh, a good path to the Sweet 16. Unfortunately, the WCC went from 18 to 16 league games, I think maybe last year, which hurts their potential for dominating. But I also sneaky like them kind of as a national title contender. So I've been toying with the idea of having a 15-point wild card, but that's limiting my big conference picks. Uh, Matt, you go ahead first on this. Yeah, Jim, I kind of agree with you. I, w- I was toying with Gonzaga as well. Um, they're not in my title. You know, in my, and there's probably different te- – they're certainly in the mix of teams that can win the title. I look at probably eight teams, and Gonzaga is probably the eighth. So I think that's – if your flyer has title contender potential, that's certainly worth considering. Uh, the other teams I, were gonna lo- I was going to look at was Richmond. Um, I've been beating the Itsy Bitsy Spider drum all offseason. Uh, I think Chris Mooney's a great coach. They had some really catastrophic injuries last year. Uh, they bring back quite a bit, and that schedule is fairly favorable. Um, and I'll plug two other teams here quickly. Ryder, um, also off a really kind of a letdown type year. They bring everybody back. They're stupid talented, um, and they play a fairly favorable schedule. And then Colorado State have an awesome home court advantage, and Nico Medved's one of our favorite coaches. They have some decent talent there as well, and those all have pretty good value. So they're down to like six bucks, I think. So those are the three I'm toying with for my Flyers, my uh, my last other selections. Man, you're going Nico squared with uh, Colorado Nico State. squared, baby. Nico squared plus Nico suave. It's a big Nico year in college hoops. Big Nico year. Uh, not not going to go San Jose State because San Jose State is a fucking disaster of a program. <laughs> um it's funny. There are like four San Jose State fans that are like, I'll get them in my mentions occasionally. They'll be like, man, why are you so hard on this program? And I'm like, because <laughs> they're bad. Like they are the worst team you could take in this entire thing. Um, Ryder is interesting. That's not a bad one. Um, I'm always hesitant to take teams in the Metro Atlantic that uh, aren't Siena, just because Siena obviously gets the home court. Uh, Siena this year does have Mascherello coming in as a coach. Uh, they do bring back Jalen Pickett at eight points. You know, it's not a disaster of an idea to throw something down there. Um, man, Nico squared at six points is interesting to me. I didn't realize that they were that low. I'm not a huge fan of Nico Carvacho, and I think that this team probably struggles a little bit, but Nico Medved is really good. They might not. Yeah, I'm not a big Carvacho guy either, to be completely honest, but I think, in, I guess, for, for one season, it's just a glass cleaner, you know, a, a centerpiece of that, you know, offensive defense. I think he's fine. I actually like the guards a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's really about Medved in his second year. Uh, and again, that home court does matter, especially in the non-con. Uh, before we get to national title, I just want to 
open the floor. Is there anything else that we haven't talked about yet that you guys just need to get off your chest? Uh, just something that something you feel strongly about. I'll just open the floor. This is an open forum, guys. This is no no uh, no dumb thoughts here. Just just whatever you think. Uh, I, one thing that I really I, I love about this pool is that it's set it and forget it. You don't have to change your team during the year, which is wonderful. And I, I ran about this on our own podcast, but I will bring it to your listeners' ears as well. The Wisconsin Badgers are putting names on the back of their jerseys this year, and I think that is horrible for the the Wisconsin basketball identity. They've always been the the self or selfless, take a charge type team, and I just don't like what that says about their identity. I'm very passionate about it. That is the most boomer, like white fifty year old <laughs> radio show take that has ever graced this podcast that wasn't uttered in a joke by Mark Titus. <laughs> it, was, it was it was kind of in jest, trust me. <laughs> um Kai, Matt, anything? Jim, I will I'll say, see. as long as they bring back those white diaper shorts, then oh, I think that, that that can't that, that minute. Right? So that's that's how you bounce back from that. That's all I have to add to that. No, I was uh, I was just gonna say uh, the instantly likeness thing. I know we talked about briefly. I'm just excited for the possibility of another instantly March Madness game because I grew up on those and I really want that to come back. I really did not like those games. Now I am a huge oh man. NCAA football guy, like as soon as that game comes back, uh, I will be recruiting my ass off with Old Dominion or some bullshit (laughs) school like that. But I could never get into the March Madness games. I don't know why. I don't know if I just didn't think they were that great or what it was. Those games scare me because as soon as they come out and I start playing them, I know I have to check myself into rehab because I just get addicted and I don't do anything else and I can't have that in my life. (laughs) I will say this, Kai, and uh, to add on the uh, the name, image, and likeness thing, I, we've all heard of the app Cameo, right? Yes. Or, yes. Okay. Yep. Like, if this were public, I don't believe it is. I would be buying all of the stock in this company. Um, I, I can just think of no better way as a college athlete to spend two hours of my day just doing Cameo videos for 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 just chump change on the side. Um, just the easiest way to make money, which I would presume is going to blow up now that this is officially legal. Yeah, I mean, the problem is it's not officially legal yet because the NCAA is going to drag its feet for a while now um, trying to figure out. It's not that this wasn't a big deal that they came out yesterday and said that um, they're willing to start considering this stuff. But I think that a lot of media outlets like kind of misreported it, saying like this is a seismic shift in the way that athletes can make money at the college level now. Yeah, I mean, it's important. And I think that the NCAA being willing to say that they're willing to be flexible on this and consider other options. But like fucking Mark Emmert and Gene Smith or uh, Michael Drake, I'm sorry, not Gene Smith, uh, the other guy at Ohio State, uh, decided to talk to Dana O'Neill yesterday and say like, yeah, we don't want pay for play. So, you know, like at the end of the day, this is still going to be a very complicated, convoluted, complex issue uh, that is still going to be worked out in the courts over the course of the next couple of years in a way that uh, if you told me that any player in college basketball started to make money within the next two years, I would be totally shocked. Any junior or senior, I don't think they're going to see any money from name, image, and likeness. Well, so. same as long as we get uh, offsite betting here in Illinois before that, that that's all I care about. So those two things are probably going to move at the pace of a, of a snail. I'm um, just hoping the snail in my state with gambling goes a little faster. That would be that's great. Where, that's where my head's at. That's all, that's all we want. Uh, we haven't talked about like Utah State or uh, Memphis or any of these other, you know, highly touted 
like, you know, mid to high major teams. Do you have any thoughts on those schools? Houston, I think as well. I think you can make a real case for Houston at $10 value here, by the way. Yeah, I think Houston's pretty solid value. I have them actually ranked at the top of the American, slightly ahead of Memphis. I thought Memphis would get like a 15 in this pool. I, I just thought that was like the perception of them. So I was surprised to see them only at 13. Uh, but it's still not a team I'm going to be investing in. I'm just a little lower on them. Uh, all right. Before we get out of here and start plugging some things, uh, I want to make you guys give a national title pick, uh, given that this is, as we said at the top, the most important part of winning this pool. Uh, national title pick, Kai, you go first. I'm not taking him in the pool, but my pick is Michigan State over Florida. All right. Uh, that would be a good way for me to make some money because then I would be able to hedge. So I'm in on yeah. that. Uh, you Jim, you go. I'm taking North Carolina this year, a little bit off the beaten path. I will own them in this pool, and I have them over in a, in a repeat of the, I think, 2018 final, North Carolina over Gonzaga. Jesus, you are very in on Gonzaga. Um, <laughs> I have some real concerns there. I think I would take St. Mary's to win that league, by the way. Um, wow. I would. Um, it's not that I think Gonzaga's bad, and Mark Few is an incredible coach, but uh, I think that for this specific college basketball season, St. Mary's would have the two best players on the court in that game. Oh, boy. That's a hot take. I've talked to some people that have been by and seen them practice, and from what I've been told, Malik Fitz is, like, awesome. Like, very, That's very not good. fair. We don't have the inside information. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So, Matt, you go. Yeah, I'm going Michigan State. I think there's eight teams, like I said, that – can win the title this year um gonzaga is like the eighth and I, I'm, I'm with jim i'm pretty high on this team as well the more i've sat and mulled over this roster but i'm going sparty I, I just think the roster is too complete when you have a senior point guard like cassius spraying the ball around to those weapons um in this landscape which is a little bit watered down that it just it's just the right pick for the sake of my finances i'm going with florida um i think they are arguably the most complete team in college basketball this season. Like the name that we didn't mention on this podcast, I don't think is Kerry Blackshear. Uh, Kerry Blackshear is really good. Like he averaged 15 (laughs) and 10 last year. Kerry Blackshear is awesome. Having him as your centerpiece inside, you have Scotty Lewis is an incredible uh, wing defender out on the perimeter who can do some things out in transition. Trey Mann's a great offensive creator. Uh, Andrew Nemhard will work as hard as he can to get everyone involved in this team. Noah Locke is a really, really good uh, shooter from the perimeter. Keontae Johnson, kind of a glue guy that can make everything work athletically. Omar Payne is a very underrated rim protector that will make sure that they have good defense on the floor at all times inside. It's just kind of across the board. I look at this team and it's hard for me to find a hole. I'm going with Florida over Michigan State. Uh, with Kansas and I don't know who the fuck else in the final four. Um, <laughs> if you're boys, right, we're going, to, we're, we're having a nice night out on the town with our Florida winnings. I don't know about that. I might keep that for myself, but oh. I will probably buy you guys multiple beers at least. Hey. <laughs> um, guys, whoever, whichever one of you three, please plug your website, plug your work. You guys are among my favorite followers in college basketball. So for the love of God, just, let people know where they can find you. At the website is the it's all words, not so not the number three three man weavecom We are not great at marketing, but we are very big college basketball fans. Twitter is at three mw underscore cbb. We'll post picks on there throughout the year, and then we also have. 
Three Man Weave College Basketball Podcast, available everywhere. So check that out as well. Guys, am I missing anything? Jim, we have an Instagram by the same Twitter handle name. <laughs> it's not very well used, but it's out there. <laughs> I'm sorry, me me laughing the second you plug that just completely decredentialized that account. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. That's okay. I am a huge fan of these guys, like I said. Uh, please go follow them on all of their personal Twitters. Please follow them at their website. Please read their website. Go subscribe to their podcast. They do a great job. Uh, this has been the Game Theory Podcast. Please go subscribe to The Athletic. Leave us some ratings and reviews, etc. Whatever you guys uh, have on your mind, please. Uh, we will make sure and read a awesome review whenever Coles Wicker comes back on the podcast because you guys have been doing a great job of leaving some awesome ones. Uh, you can subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Android, wherever you get suboptimal podcasting content. We are up there now. Until next time, though, we will talk soon. Bye.